You're listening to the Tumbling Saber Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Check us out on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com, on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter, and take your first step into a larger world. Welcome back. We're on the other side. We made it. We are in a post-The Last Jedi world. It is episode 106, a review episode of The Last Jedi. My name's Kyle. I'm Corey. And I'm Carlos. Yeah, no James this week. He's sitting this one out, but we'll get him on before long to get his thoughts on The Last Jedi. All right, guys. We are back. I'm so stoked to talk about this, but we got a couple things to get to first. And... The first thing I got I want to get off my chest here is I got a note from Rob Wade earlier in the week. And you know, Rob is good enough to aggregate all feedback for Commonwealth shows. So things like iTunes reviews or you know reviews that pop in on different podcatchers, they all filter to Rob. And then he sends out those reviews uh, to each like show showrunner like myself or uh, he'll send it to Mark for example or or Rob Williams in in BC, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um so, you know, I'm always excited to hear from Rob, no matter what, but imagine my excitement when I got this email from Rob, which is simply a forwarded email from, from a service, and it says, Hi, the Tumbling Saber podcast, a Star Wars podcast, is doing very well. Congratulations, today it featured in the following countries and categories. Number 24 in TV and film. That's pretty good, guys. Yep. Except it's in Kazakhstan. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> That's so what odd. I said. That I'm like, ah, Borat got us. We've been discovered by Borat. It's a great success. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. Anyway, thanks, Rob. I thought that was hilarious and, and definitely worth mentioning. But if we if we have some Kazakhstani listeners, come say hi. I, I would love to hear from anybody from the great country of Kazakhstan. Corey, is there a, a collecting update to share this week? Uh, yeah, Let, let's get into it quickly. I mean, um, we had met up this week for The Last Jedi and the premiere on the Thursday, and we had a little gift exchange. Uh, maybe that's why James isn't on the show. Uh, my my stuff didn't come in the mail, whatever. It is what it is. Like I said, I ordered it November 20th, even though I, I went out today and I got James something else, just in case. And Carlos got his gift. Carlos got his, his Poe Dameron. Um, Carlos got me an AT-AT or an AT-AT pilot. Which is awesome, six Black Series six inch. Um, that was really much appreciated, Carlos. I really, really, that was really thoughtful. Yeah, thanks for uh, the pull. Uh, I love the pull with the flight suit. Uh, it's yeah, it's awesome, awesome. eh? Awesome. Yeah. Uh, James James hooked me up Admiral Akbar Black Series three and three quarter. Awesome. He hooked me up an R two Pez dispenser and uh, Timothy Zahn's Scoundrels Legend stuff. And then I was out hitting the shelves hard this weekend. Like pretty much almost got all my Christmas shopping done. Thank God. Uh, even you, Kyle. <laughs> um Jeez. so anyhow um yeah i found myself uh island journey ray exile luke and the three and three quarter uh stuff uh i bought bb9e funko pop and bb resistance funko pop because you know i'm still going with that droid theme for the funkos and i also found a praetorian guard six inch black series 
as well as Rose Tico Black Series. So I scooped them up right away. The only ones out there, so you know, wasn't I wasn't waiting. I was like, it's an early Christmas gift to myself, whatever it is. It's <laughs> like, give me, give me, give me. So all in all, a way, light way to rationalize that, Corey. Way to yeah, rationalize, yeah. That. dude. They're the only ones left. I know next time, like they're not going to be there, and that's that. Or I'm going to have to wait. Or I don't, I don't know, whatever. Just where, where where did you hide so much stuff? Uh no, it was all it was all in the open. <laughs> yeah, these so... these are all gifts for other people, sweetie. Don't worry. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't. Obviously, I didn't say that. But I showed her. I showed her what I was getting you, and it could have looked like it could have went in with my stuff. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, all in all, I was I was pretty happy, man. Oh god. Well, my mine is is substantially shorter this week. I just got a rose black series like you got, and I, I found a beige black series six inch, but I didn't pick it up. Dude, what's wrong with you? That's a super like uh, rare commodity. <laughs> That's like finding one of those in the world. I found it at a liquidation center. Really? Yeah. Dude, that's um, wow. Yeah, that's surprising. So. That because that's that was one that people were like really sought after, super rare on the on the pegs. I don't think so anymore. Once it hits liquidation centers, that 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 uh, balloon has popped. And the, the box is banged up, so I was like, ah, eh, hell with it. I've spent enough money this this week on holiday shopping, but that's it. Very quick update for me, and of course, you know, you guys, you guys spoiled me a bit on Thursday. Uh, James hooked me up with Dark Disciple, as well as a Chewy Pez dispenser because there are no finer Pez dispensers, and um, the two pack of of a Bays and a Stormtrooper from Rogue One, which was very nice. So thank you guys. Okay, Carlos, anything you want to share? Yeah, uh, James hooked me up uh, with. Um... He uh, hooked me up with a, uh, a Darth Vader uh, Pez dispenser and uh, a 3PO 3 and 3 quarter and a beautiful <laughs> fuller 16 ounce hammer so that I could destroy the 3PO at my discretion. <laughs> Are you actually going to follow through with that? I, I don't think I will. The 3PO is actually nice. It looks pretty cool. It's, it's, it is a, yeah, it's a really yeah, nice figure. It's a cool figure, and uh, you could always use an extra hammer uh, lying around the house. So, um, <laughs> so that was uh, that was pretty cool. Um, my only uh, thing uh, for collecting, I didn't really, uh, didn't really get anything this week. Uh, but I'm uh, I'm looking at the uh, Black Series Krennic that uh, online is uh, being posted at uh, thirteen dollars. And I haven't seen it in stores, so I think I'm just gonna maybe uh, grab that online. That's, uh, that's nice it. call. Yeah. yeah, Mendo, I got you there. Yeah, and I Kyle, the... just, just... Oh, go for Carlos. No, I was just gonna say because I got the, uh, the the Funko Pop, and I have uh, his uh, the Imperial shuttle, the the Lego, and uh, so I figured, yeah, I'll just get the, the third piece just to round out uh, the Krennic uh, the Krennic vibe. I like it. Very and nice. Kyle, also, just so you know, you know, like you, you don't really have to spend a dime for me on Christmas. Like you could just kind of take something that's lying around the house, maybe like um, an X-wing <laughs> Luke or something like that. You know? Uh huh. I think I've heard this before, and I think you know the answer to that. But can't it's... wait till Christmas. Remember the double up birthday Christmas present. You, don't don't you know, don't pull a Ryan Johnson on me, man. I'm I'm expecting I'm expecting it. No, no. See, this is not going to go the way you think. <laughs> Tis the season. For you to adjust your expectations. I'm not giving you that figure. Look at you. So serious, eh, Carlos? You will <laughs> give me that figure. <laughs> did you just do the hand, uh, the Obi-Wan have mo- hand movement there? I did at the same time, actually. Yeah. Pretty cool. Th- 
it doesn't work over Skype. Sorry. It does. Um, we, we, the Last Jedi taught us one thing. The, the Force can be used over great distances. Not by you. Okay, collecting update done. Uh, let's let's start. We're gonna have to start this again. The box office update. So from from box office mojo, the last Jedi is opened and estimated. Of course, we're not gonna know until tomorrow. But these guys are so good at what they do. I don't know how they do it, but they do it, and they're always so so close. So, in uh, its opening weekend, so from Thursday through Sunday, the last Jedi has hauled in about two hundred and twenty million dollars domestically. And about $230 million internationally for a $450 million global haul. Which, wow. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Yes, I, I think that's a little bit I thought the global haul was, uh, was, was 220 I was completely shot uh, off guard there. Yeah, no, this is uh, good for fifth all-time. Nice. Fifth all-time. Yeah, that's 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 a great number. But there's a, uh, some context to add here from Box Office Mojo. So the quote is, Those figures, however, take into account the fact that the Fate of the Furious and Jurassic World, which are both ahead of The Last Jedi, also opened in China during their opening weekends. Oh, that's Ex- true. Exclude China grosses, and The Last Jedi holds the third largest global debut behind The Force Awakens and Harry Potter and The Deathly Hallows Part 2. Nice. So I think I think Lucasfilm has another hit on its hands. Well, they made so. their money back from this one. Exactly. Uh... <laughs> They've already recouped. Yes, they have. They've made their money back. Now everything else now is, yeah, you know, I don't want to say pure profit, but for all intents and purposes, it's 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 profit time. <clears throat> have we all seen bath. the movie at least twice? Unfortunately, I'm the only one here who has not seen it twice. Yeah, so it's Kyle busy and weekend, I, man. Kyle and I both saw it on Saturday. Uh, I, I got the first showing of the day, and uh, Kyle, you went uh, with your wife, I believe. Um, you made a, a dinner, a dinner movie night uh, type of type of thing. Yep, our third annual. Nice. Yeah. Every every Star Wars Saturday on opening weekend, my wife and I we go out for for a, a dinner and we grab the movie. And uh, yeah, this time it was it was much more manageable. We took in, took in an earlier showing, and we're able to stay awake uh, much much easier this time. But let's 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 get into it. Let's start talking about this movie. Uh, I figure if anybody is still hasn't seen it but wants to just touch base with us we can speak for a few minutes of some non-spoilery thoughts or our initial spoiler-free thoughts of the movie and I'll, I'll just start by saying i didn't want this movie to end like it, it just kept delivering for me in ways that i wasn't expecting you know uh, there's a lot of things that i thought we get that we didn't get and because of what we did get in its place i didn't miss those things that much I don't know what what do you, what do you what are your initial takeaways, guys? I'm I'm on board with you, Kyle. There were, there were so many parts uh, getting towards that two hour ten mark where I was expecting, okay, the movie's gonna end now. The movie's gonna end now. Like dreading that moment that the movie ends, but it just kept giving more and more and more. And uh, I I left there like like all of us. Uh, I think we all uh, leaving that first sh- that first viewing. We all left with uh, uh, oh, high as a kite, bewilderment. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, pretty much. Like, and uh, so yeah, that, those my my first. Uh, I was just so happy to have witnessed the new Star Wars movie. Yeah, I mean th- that is the happiest I have left the theater after one of these. You know, the, in the quote unquote Disney era. This is the happiest I left the theater, probably by a country mile. 
you know, I, we, I left The Force Awakens going, okay, that was cool, but what did we just see? Like, what was that? And then for Rogue One, I was like, yeah, cool. Like, that was that was a really well done movie. I, I enjoyed that. Nothing mind-blowing, but this is a different animal. And I just want to backtrack a little bit just to say that I don't know how last week was for you guys, just that, that Monday through Thursday before Ugh. seeing the movie. It was Brutal. tough, man. Oh, it was so bad. It Every, was, like, was everything up until that point. And, you know, go back a week re- recording our final podcast before The Last Jedi. Up until that point, piece of cake, man. But then Monday morning came and I you know, stroll into work and things just immediately got really tough. Like every hour seemed like three. It was, it was just a slog, man. And the closer we got, the longer the hours seemed to be getting. It was, it was just brutal, man. Were you, you, Corey, were you feeling the same way? Yeah, toward the end. Like I'd say it didn't hit me right necessarily at the beginning of the week, but I think for the past, the week leading up to, it's like I was, you know, I was still kind of on social media. I had muted some stuff, but at the same time, it was like I had to tread really carefully. I was speaking last week about that one spoiler kind of that got me and it, what it was. And it was on a trailer as well, which is still also kind of lame, I find. Well, you, can, you can spoil it now, I think. Exactly. It was when Ray caught Kylo's saber, you know, and she started using Kylo's saber. And I was like, oh, my God, she's turning dark. And I, I just didn't want to see something like that. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought up spoilers because I'm really glad. I'm I'm really grateful for the experience that I kind of built for myself this time around. Like, I didn't delve too deeply at all into spoilers. And a lot of the ones that we heard actually didn't even come true. Exactly. So, or, or or maybe like I mean, they weren't in the final cut. Maybe they're somewhere else. But, um, yeah, like I I didn't filter anything. I didn't mute anybody. I didn't temporarily unfollow anybody. I just said I'm just gonna try and tread carefully and hope for the best. And nothing crossed my path. Nothing that I would have considered to be antagonistic got to me like i saw a lot of a lot of people that i'm friends with and that i follow on twitter did get spoiled and were like ah oh, god damn it like the, I, I got spoiled on something and i'm not happy about it and i was like oh well i'd love to talk to you about it but i don't want to know mm. <laughs> how about you carlos did you filter anything any special uh avoidances well no i didn't filter anything i mean i was uh i was i was gluttonous uh for uh, once that monday night football um trailer came out the official trailer um i was uh, just looking for anything and everything i was just you know the movie was so far away and it was like yeah just i needed something to satiate that hunger uh for this movie but uh, as soon as we uh we podcasted uh, 105 uh, tumbling saber 105 and we talked about some of the reviews and um at that point i was like okay this is it's real now it's getting real and then uh, Mark over at Talk Star Wars uh, actually got to see the film, I believe, on, on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, so the last, uh, at that point, I was like, I want to watch it too now. <laughs> like, he got to see it, now I need to see it, because that's just the way it is. And um, it was the last two days were brutal. I mean, I was listening to podcasts, and, you know, people were talking about their theories, and and uh, not not spoilers in any sense of the, but I had to I had to just turn the podcast off, and I would try another one, and then turn that podcast off. I just I don't want to hear what you're thinking about this movie. Like I, I don't need to know what you're thinking about it. I just want to see the movie, and it was it was it was very tough on me. 
Um, and even at dinner, I, I'm going to be honest, uh, last Thursday at dinner, we had a good time and um, we had some laughs. Uh, but I was, uh, you know, I don't know if it showed or not. No, no, just, yeah, distracted a little, like agitated maybe. Uh, Anxious. Know, that, yeah. That's, that's the way I felt. At eight fifty, uh, I looked. I kept looking at my uh, at the phone, and I'm like, "Okay, uh, Kyle's gonna be at the theater." So oh, I I just got up. I'm like, "All right, let's go." Like, <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't gonna wait there until nine twenty. And you know, we had the uh, the um, the Thor Ragnarok experience fresh in my mind also, and I wanted to get some popcorn and I wanted to get a commemorative cup, and uh, I didn't want to miss anything. Uh, in the theater so if you know that that lead up to sitting down and the previews being way too long like oh, oh it was brutal like but so, the previews, so, yeah. many, so the... many commercials before like brutal like give me the, oh. give me as many trailers as you want within reason i don't mind but... trailers yeah it's it's the commercials Man, the, it's the, the commercials of god what, what the what the burn was it was that it was the trailer started and then in the middle of the trailers here's some more commercials and i was like what how dare you? I'm like, what's the trailer start? It's trailers. Yeah, they but give you some 2D, the case. A, couple, a couple 2D trailers, and then you know, put your 3D goggles on. Or no, wait, is that how, no, yeah, it's, it's commercials, and then trailers start, and then, oh, put your goggles on, but they hit you with a couple more ads in between. It's like, come on, guys, enough. And the worst part was uh, Lucasfilm logo comes on, lights are still on. A, a yeah. long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, the lights are still on. Star Wars Episode Eight. The lights are still on. Halfway through the crawl, they go off, and then they come back on again. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> like, you're yeah. ruining. I, I get really I agitated at stuff like that. Like, do oh. your jobs. Oh, yeah, especially seriously, that opening night. Yeah, for Star Wars, especially too. It's this isn't like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean or something. You know what I mean? Like, this is Star Wars. Like, I, I, I think it almost was like intentional. Like, the guys in the booth are probably like, "Want to get a rise out of the crowd? Watch this." <laughs> Like everyone, everyone started screaming at a point. Like, <laughs> one guy got up. I saw one take one guy take one for the team. He's like, Ugh. he got up and he started running for the door. Like he was like, I'm I'm the hero. <laughs> hey, I think but I yeah. think it was actually my next door neighbor. Oh really? Yeah, I think so. Who, who, oddly enough, was at the show. Like I don't know these people very well, but there he was. There you go. Give him your business card. Tumbling seat. <laughs> I should do that, shouldn't I? Um, guys, let's let's start talking about the movie. Um, spoilers from here on in, everybody. So, buckle up if you haven't seen the movie yet. First of all, I, I don't know what you're doing here, but secondly, press pause, go see the Last Jedi, and then come back and have this conversation with us. But with that said, like, let's let's start with the Resistance and First Order arc, and that would include uh, Leia, Poe, Haldo, Hux, and and the like. Um, so that, that opening scene on Dakar, which, you know, I'll roll in a prediction here way back when, I mean, this goes back months and months and months when they told us that the, the last Jedi will pick up where, where the force awakens dropped off and it'll be with Luke and Ray. I said, well, I, I know, I don't know about that. I think it's going to pick up in time with Luke and Ray, but I, I see the first sequence being the resistance escaping Dakar. No, you dummy. It's, it's going to be with Ray, Luke and Ray. He said it. Yeah, well, we'll see. Here we are. And I couldn't be happier. Here's one. Pretty, like, I, I like to be surprised. This is, I'm glad I got this one right because I think it was the perfect opening. Just those shots, the score that, that 
you know, we're panning down and we're getting those opening notes from the A New Hope score. My, and yeah. right away, my, my brain was just starting to start melting. Oh, yeah, that that shot because it was very immersive, especially in 3D. The way we came down through the fleet was very interesting and new take on that as well. Yeah, yeah, and then very, uh, very 21st century. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the resistance fleet, the, whatever's left of it, and those inbound star destroyers, and then the emergence of that dreadnought from hyperspace was again in 3D. I'm, I'm not huge on, on 3D in cinemas, but that was a great visual just having that massive dreadnought burst out of hyperspace that was that was terrific i i just i just loved it but even better than that and carlos your your boy poe his entrance man that was one of my one of my favorite mom- moments in the entire movie what about you yeah 100 percent. that uh that was the 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 comedy of the whole uh communicating with hux and and uh you know playing pretty much toying with him until his boosted X-wing was uh, ready to go full power, and um, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fantastic, and just like that handbrake turn almost. Uh, <laughs> once he he destroys the the final turret, and uh, and then does another UE and you know guns down two uh, two Tie Fighters. It was it was it was awesome, and like visually stunning, um, sonically also, and. Uh, yeah, we had never really seen that in a space battle uh, before. I mean, we've seen some great spa- space battles, and we can even go back to 2005 with Revenge of the Sith and the opening of of that movie. But, uh, yeah, I think it was perfect in the sense that it really set a tone for the pacing of the movie. Yeah, yeah, I I love that. I love the the way they framed it up too, where you see this gigantic ship that is dwarfing regular star destroyers, which are huge enough on their own, and the bewilderment of of these first first order guys. Uh, I think it's, I think it's uh, Cassidy was the guy's name. Uh, Cassidy being told that yeah, there's a, a a single a single stunt single person stunt fighter with with you know uh, an attack position coming in, and they're just like what? And then you, you kind of blow out to that shot of the rear of Poe's X-Wing and you're like yes yes it was just that was just electrifying what a, a, a terrific way to kick off that movie I have to say I love that part as well like the whole introduction to that and I was like yes Poe like it, it like the con- the contrast like you said Kyle of like this one ship meeting an entire fleet of Star Destroyers and a dreadnought and, you know, I have to say the comedy hit hard for me as well, but it's one of my qualms in the film as well, just because I found it dragged on a little too much. Like, I found it funny, and then, I, like, he, how many, I know he had to buy some time and whatever, but I don't know. Like, I was like, this is some, like, it's a serious moment. Like, like I want it to be a little more serious at the same time, but it was still very funny to me, but I just, I, th- I thought it could have been shortened a little. I mean, comedy is a very subjective thing. Like it, it worked perfectly well for me. I, I, I laughed out loud at that. Holding for Hux. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I did too. The, the first time I heard it. Tasty. I, it, it completely worked for me. I, I don't, I don't laugh out loud in a Star Wars movie very often. That, you know, what thirty seconds in, <laughs> it got me. Yeah. It really got me. And and his line of, uh, and I also have a message from uh, General Leia, uh, for Hux. About your mother. 
<laughs> it was like <laughs> it was a mom like, joke. Yeah, a, a mom, mom joke, joke in Star just, Wars. Oh, awesome. There's a there's a bridge crossed for the first time. A lot. That's it. A like lot. like you said, within the first thirty seconds. So at first it kind of was like, oh, like it's setting the film up tonally, and it's like, okay, I get we get humor in Star Wars, but you know, I didn't. I was hoping you know it didn't go that way. Like a lot, a lot, a lot. You know, it's got to be used uh, sparingly. I thought I, I for, it, it worked perfectly for me. Like I, it did for me. It, it didn't cut the tension of the moment. It didn't cut the seriousness of the situation with the resistance really hightailing it out of there. It it worked perfectly well. Here's this 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 cool collected pilot who doesn't really understand the word "I can't do that," and I, it worked for me. It worked. I, I get for why it didn't work for others, and that's that's totally fine. Um. The Resistance Bombers. Pretty cool, right? Like I, I I thought we'd see more of them, but instead they were kind of treated like sitting ducks. They really were. I mean, they didn't move. They moved at a snail's pace. Really odd ships. It's like we're going back in time almost. Like, you know, I get that they needed a lot of uh well, man or like firepower. You yeah, know payload, what I mean? like, yeah. Payload, I mean, yeah. Bombers are typically slow moving craft anyway. But they were really slow, man. Not agile. I didn't like their... That was one thing right off the bat, too. I was like, their formation is no good. Like, if you know that if one ship gets blown up and it's going to blow up the rest of uh, your your squadron or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, I know, maybe you should fly in a different pattern. Yeah, you (laughs) even hear the the orders of, uh, okay, guys, keep it tight, you know, like... And I was expecting these bombers to be more agile, um... If I throw back to Lego, when when they released the Resistance bomber, I looked at it and it's like it's my favorite probably set of 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 all the the new ships, and then to see it on screen be like a little bit of a, you know, it it was I was expecting more agility from those bombers, and you're right, Corey, like they kind of, you know, strategically they kind of screwed that one up, like especially when all the bombs are armed. And all you uh, you just need a, a a bump from a tie fighter, like, and for the whole ship to go up, like, yeah, yeah. It, it, se- was... it seemed like those those ships are, were really really vulnerable. Like, did, did they even have shields? Like, nope, no, no shields. Don't know. They, they just seemed like a very very unreliable craft to be carrying such a payload. Yeah, and not only that, like, I mean, I know obviously they had some kind of like force field or something. You know what I mean? Some kind of thing but like the way it's in open space like that you're just looking down into open space like i, I found that kind of odd too you know like, they should have made it more apparent that there was some kind of like like as the bombs fell through them you could have seen like some kind of like electrostatic shield or something you know yeah yeah whatever but i think but it was I, cool that the, the bombs were physical and that weren't lasers so that they'd be able to go through the shields well, that's it. I think it. Yeah. I think what it really alludes to is just the uh, state and order of the resistance. How old they are, how not well equipped they are. Whatever the, the equipment they're dealing with is probably like pre uh, a new hope kind of almost. You know what I mean? Like it looks like old kit. Like it's it's oh, just yeah, a sure. representation I, I, of who they are. I imagine those are rebellion era bombers, just like everything else they have. And um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Page Tico got a toy because I mean, everybody gets a toy. If Zuvio gets a toy, everybody gets a toy. Come on, look at this. Look at the Cantina creatures from A New Hope who got a toy. 
I guess we'll have to see who else comes out in this line. I mean, at least at least this person had a role, a small one, but at least she did something. She took, you know, she dropped the bombs that took out a dreadnought. That's true. She had a pretty significant role, I guess. Short. What about Snap Wexley, man? Where was Snap? No Snap. That's weird, eh? Snap. Where? No Snap. What happened to Snap we- Wexley? I mean, he. Maybe they sent him off on a scouting mission in advance. I I don't know if there if that story is out there already. Oh yeah, JJ's gonna write him up a nice little piece. They're buds. Oh, of course. He, Snap will be back in episode nine. But he should have. Yeah, he should probably should have been at Dakar, putting his own neck on the line. But um, uh, just coming quick quickly back to Paige. Um, she was a hero. She she sacrificed herself uh, for the resistance. But not only that, it also plays into the role of of uh, pushing Rose yeah. uh, further. Uh, and it makes her character more interesting as well. So I understand it. Like, Yeah, I mean, should we have seen... Should we have had some kind of scene between Paige and Rose, even if, if it was just like a, a quick hug goodbye, like good no. luck, see you at the rendezvous type thing? No, it was fine. I, I didn't I didn't need to see that. I just... You just needed to see her crying... Um, wiping tears away as as uh, Finn is trying to make his um, his escape. And also, I, I guess that that piece of jewelry they both share with each other. I think that's probably, you know, I guess the proxy for that type of of scene. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean that that opening sequence was great. It did what it had to do, and it it, it decimated pretty much what was left of the resistance. I mean, this is this is sort of the thinnest any fighting force on the good side has ever been. I mean, there's there's nothing left. Really, yeah, it's nothing crazy. left. Like, we, when I saw it, I was like, what's, something's wrong here. Like, we're, okay, the rest of, like, the fleet will show up at one point. And it's like, really? Like, no, it's a gone. handful of, there is, <laughs> there's nothing. A handful of fighters and just a few frigates, man. It's like, yeah, well, you know, we, after, after The Force Awakens, we kind of figured, ah, you know, they, they must have, some other cells out there somewhere that that will kind of come into action here, but no. or at least the leftovers of the Republic. I, I think I, I don't think there's anything left at all. There's nothing. The Millennium Falcon is the only ship left in the in the in the rebellion right now. Yep, yep. We'll, we'll, we'll touch back back on that. I think more toward the end, but yeah, that, that's that's saying a lot. That is, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I, I never really considered that, but that is, that's pretty much true. I mean, they, they they talk about their friends in the outer rim, which again we'll we'll talk to later. But yikes, it really is bad. <clears throat> uh, let's let's talk about Princess Leia in this movie. You know, <sighs> like Carrie Fisher knocked it out of the park. She did, man. She did. You know, it's so amazing. Like I didn't even see Carrie Fisher, man. All I saw was Leia. Like she just remember the character she is the character and she played that character it was so perfect man yeah i I think she had some nerves for the force awakens and i think those were all those kinks were out and she was she was just ready to rock this role for the last jedi and man she did such an amazing job i agree It, it was it was strange though you know to see her she's always the one that's that's uh, I, I guess kind of giving off positivity. You know, there's there's never a way. There's always a way to to win. There's always a way for us to figure this out. And by the end, like there wasn't, like that was gone from Leia. The spark is out. Like it was it was almost sad to see 
that character go all the you know do a, almost like a 180 at the end of the line. It was just really sad given the, the circumstances that we now find ourselves in in 2017 in a Carrie Fisher free world. Yeah, that is sad. I didn't even think of that to be honest. Um. So okay. So this game, this beautiful game of space chess that the Resistance played with the First Order. I mean, I, well, I really liked the way that Ryan Johnson set this up. I really liked before, the way he set this up. Before we really jump into that, man, like, let's talk about Leia's accident a bit, no? When I saw that scene, like, to me, uh, like, visually, it was so aggressive. It, like, really came at you hard, man. And, um, I don't know. I remember I actually, James was sitting to my left, and I grabbed him, man. I grabbed his leg and his, uh, his shoulder was like, oh, my God. I, like, shook him, like... I really thought for a second that, like, Leia had bought the dust, kind of. Like, they had written her off in this film and that, like, she'd have a greater role moving forward somehow. But I was like, oh, my God, like, they did it. It's happening. Like, it just, it really looked like that until, like, I saw her floating in space there. But I thought I thought she was gone, man. And it was so, it was so crazy to see that on screen. No, I see. I I, I kind of knew that. I had a well, feeling. We, we, we knew that she had the the accident and whatever. But at that point, when I was like, once she got sucked out into space, I'm like, how is she gonna save herself? Like, it's, it's over, man. You know, like. But uh, it was too early on in the movie for me, and uh, there were too many iconic images of her with, with that the that that coat that you know with the the collar that kind of wraps around their face, and, and true, we know she's on crates, so there's. Yeah, I, I was like, okay, let's see how she gets out of this one. You know, that that's more what I was. I don't know about you, Kyle. I don't know if you you are you're like, oh my god, did they really like pull the rug out from under us here? But oh, there was there was a tiny bit of that, tiny tiny bit of that. But you know, my, when something like that happens, like my mind goes through like the rolodex of information that that I have. And, yeah, you know, for better or worse, doing a podcast and following Star Wars news, you you already you kind of know. Like ninety five percent of the people in that theater don't follow Star Wars news the way we do. Like I would, for I mean, uh, maybe on an opening night it's it's a different story, but overall, when it's all said and done, the vast majority of people in in cinemas don't follow the day to day news. So when Leia got sucked out into space, I'm sure there was a good number of people who went, "Oh my god!" But oh geez, and they thought about maybe they thought to the trailers, and, but I remember seeing other shots of her in the trailers. Could be Mr. Was, X. Could be Mr. X, but you know, we, following the news as we did, we that that's what happened to me. And again, for better or worse, I knew that somehow this was not the end. So it, that moment didn't have quite the punch I think maybe they were going for. But again, I think for the it, majority it for of me, audience, man. it it probably did work. It, it did for me, but even at that, it's just because of the violence of it all. You know what I mean? Like I I know again that we'd heard that she was in an. Uh, she has an injury and she's going to be out of it for a bit of the film and that she used the force to save herself. But God, I didn't think she'd use the force in this kind of scenario. I thought it was more like, oh, let's move some rubble off me. You know, like I had a little force shield there. But well, definitely that, wasn't that, getting sucked out into space. That little sequence answers two questions from our Sith Disturbers quiz. We wondered, does Kylo Ren take the shot? And we know, we now know that answer. And, uh, what was the other the other question related does, to that? Was, does, Leia Leia use the force? Force. does Leia use the force? And yeah, we have two answers there now. Oh yeah, she definitely overtly uses the force, and that was absolutely like, it was amazing. No yeah. doubt, no doubt about it. A that. lot I of think... people are calling her Carrie Poppins. Yeah, 
That's James. Uh, <laughs> floating through, uh, floating through space. Uh, I, I, won't I have a lot less problem with that in the universe than a lot of, uh, a lot of other people seem to have problems with that scene. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't really. There's nothing uh, in the laws of physics of that galaxy that tell me that that can't be done. So. You know, I mean, yeah, you can uh, nitpick it, right? I mean, the minute she opened her her eyes out in space, her eyes should have her she, they should have exploded out of her skull. But that's not we don't play that game. We shouldn't be playing that game when it comes to Star Wars, especially not when it comes to the Force. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's obviously like she knows how to use it to a certain degree, and you almost think you know it's like um, you know like mutant powers are kind of like spurred on sometimes by heat of the moment actions. Like, it's kind of possibly the same thing with the force you know when your dopamine levels are high and it's a moment of crisis like you can use the force probably in mysterious ways as well but that's a great at the point, same time uh, Corey. yeah but at the same time there was something about the scene that when i watched it i was like visually maybe what it was it very was very much was reminiscent of uh mary poppins or whatever just the way she floated down uh i trust me i, I wanted her to live and all that and but there was something about that scene that I can understand why people were uncomfortable with it for some reason, and I can't exactly pinpoint it. It could have been the visual imagery, or oh, it's it's all about the image. People don't like the way it looks, and I, you know, it it does look weird. I mean, I don't know if there's any other way to say it. It it doesn't look cool. I but I don't know how you make that look cool. Was she supposed to strike a Superman pose or tuck herself Maybe into a ball so and, and like or, barrel roll? I like I I don't know how you're supposed to make that look cool. But for me, like. The the reason why that moment works for me is finally Leia using the Force that way. Finally, we get we get confirmation that yes, Luke has probably t- taught her a thing or two over the years. We we touched on that lightly, ever so lightly, in I think Bloodline or Aftermath, or maybe both. But now we finally get some actual confirmation that yes, Leia can actually use the Force if if she needs to. Yeah, and, I I kind of liked it in the sense that. If if Jean Grey can have uh, a, a a million tons of water fall on her and and she can she can like protect herself with a cocoon uh, of the force if you want to call it then it kind of like you know it does the same Leia can definitely do the same thing like so yeah I don't I don't have a problem with her being out yeah. in space and and you know freezing up a little bit I don't have a problem with that yeah um, no. the visual was weird but for me the sentiment of that moment. And John Williams' score, come on! Oh, like, yeah, he's amazing. The, the swell of Leia's theme at, at that moment, uh, it 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 killed me. It melted me. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful filmmaking. Just again, in the sense that, like, when that wall smashed and that and that missile hit, and like she got sucked out, it's like I'm telling you, all the air got sucked out of me too. I was like, <gasps> and I like probably moved forward and everything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah that we've never seen that happen to her. But and it, it also. Something we don't see in Star Wars too often, like a little slow motion from from Poe and Cadel, uh, and I think Finn was there too, right? They're kind of reacting to Leia uh, arriving back in the hangar, and just they just start darting, and it's there's no there's no dialogue, it's just Leia's theme, and they they go bolting over to the airlock together, and it was just superb. It was again the the Mary Poppins thing. Maybe your mileage may vary, and it doesn't look cool, but I think the overriding sentiment of that moment is it, it just floored me can i just come back to uh what we talked about just uh kylo uh ren not taking the shot 
and uh, obviously he doesn't. We we see that he doesn't. But one of the Tie Fighters, or both of the Tie Fighters who are flanking him, actually both take shots at the bridge. And when the ships come back around, I don't know how many. There there aren't any rebellion or, or resistance fighters out there shooting at them. But both those Tie Fighters kind of explode in space. And is that Kylo? Like, you killed my mother, you piece of whatever. And, like... It, it, I wondered the same thing. Yeah, because... I, I, I kind of got that uh, impression as well. To me, it looks like he, he took them down. I don't know if it was his silencer that actually uh, took the shots or if it was the Force just maybe crushing their fuel cells and, <laughs> and, and having them explode. Some Force payback. He wasn't too happy about that. When yeah. he let his finger off the trigger and they pulled theirs, he was like, you idiots! <laughs> Yeah, and they turn around, and, and both both the the tie, uh, the tie fighters who were flanking him got shot down or or exploded, and I don't know from where. Like that's that's one question I had. Yeah, no, that, that's a good observation, a really good observation. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure, but uh, I I think there's something to that. Uh, okay, so let's let's jump back to this this game of space chess, which kind of is sort of the thread that runs throughout the movie. It's it's the the remnants of the resistance just keeping far enough out of the reach of the First Order. And at this point, we have to mention the arrival of the Supremacy, Snoke's massive flagship. Holy Lord. That thing is big. Oh, it's huge. It's kind of odd. I don't know. I think uh, I would like to think that they could have... I know they were staying just out of reach and, you know, they are probably just pre like light speed levels or something like that like the the maximum velocity they could travel before reaching light speed or making uh being able to shoot cannons and stuff realistic like to be able to buy themselves that much time and to have that many hours of shield was kind of like whoa like that's pretty surprising yeah i think they almost took a page out of like real life naval warfare where a, a smaller ship will definitely be able to outrun some of these bigger slower things um I, you could nitpick. You can pull it apart if you want to say, "Well, why didn't the?" That's something that I was talking to James about. If they, if the first order wanted to, they could have just called in a dozen star destroyers from the opposite direction, cut off the Radis, and end it right there. But that's that's not how movies are made. That you know, that's that's you can end any movie in ten minutes if you want to. If you, if you want to just make everything super airtight and super logical, like there's no reason why the first order didn't do that, right? Like they obviously have the resources to do something like that. But uh, they, they, that makes for a really boring movie. So you just go with the story as is. And I, I that's I, it. I figured that I went with the technology factor. Like they have some some super serious shields and stuff now. Yeah. But that that I mean that that scenario of just staying out of reach kind of sets up some a, a lot of tension throughout the movie as as we sort of watch the fuel reserves dwindle away, and we know that the first order has somehow tracked. Um, the resistance through light speed, and it's it's sort of it's completely useless for them to jump to light speed again. It's it, there's no point to it because the first order will just track them and they'll be out of gas and and sitting ducks. Um, I I like it. I like the hopelessness of the resistance situation. It was just on point for me the whole time. I like I was I wasn't literally sitting on the edge of my seat the whole time because I liked these reclining seats that we got, but I was figuratively on the edge of my seat the whole time. I, I just thought it was so, so good. Well, both James and myself, I saw them as both were literally 
on the edge of our seat, like just leaning forward, leaning back, leaning forward, leaning back, <laughs> like for sure. So what do we make of the intro of, of Vice Admiral Holdo? Do we like this character? Do we dislike the character? I dislike the character for as long as they intended me to dislike the character. Yes. If, if that's said, I, I don't know if there's a better way to say that. But no, I, I mean, <laughs> people are still stuck. They're still stuck on uh, not liking the character. And uh, there's a reason why you don't like it is because they don't want you to like the character. They want you to like Poe. They want you to be on the side of Poe. And um, and you want to question things, too. Like when Poe calls her a traitor, it's like, is she a traitor? Oh, my God. Is it a possibility now that it, it kind of does make sense that she's stalling, man? She's stalling. Like she looks you know, like, like nothing. She looks nothing like a resistance fighter. You know, she's in these these purple gowns and her, with this garish purple hair. She looks completely out of place. She, she looks, looks like, like she should be on Canto Bite, actually. Absolutely. You, yeah. Absolutely. Like elite. Yeah. And I, I well, think the, the, the way the, we've been introduced to her is is maybe to make us think that maybe she's on Canto Bite, or she's she's from Canto Bite or associated with Canto Bite, and therefore she's a little bit shady. And it worked for. Like you said, Carlos, for as long as it needed to. And then mm-hmm. when it was time for her to make that call that she's going to stay behind. Now, I don't know that she necessarily earned that, but I like the character. I like that Laura Dern was able able to convey a warmth within uh, Holdo. That you know, Leia seems to trust her completely, and that's good enough for me. See, as soon as as soon as uh, Poe gets stunned by Leia and. Uh, like I, I knew that there was a plan, obviously, like in place. Uh, Leia never. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She's always covering her her bet. She's always trying to hedge her bets somehow. Uh, she does it in a new hope right away when uh, she, her ship comes under attack and sends the droids off. She's always a, tries to be a step ahead, and uh, I. I found Haldo so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not only did I um, turn, my feelings turned towards her, but I found her a sympathetic character as soon as she said uh, that thing about Poe, you know, like, he's, uh, he's a, he's a troublemaker. Like he's a troublemaker. I, I like him. Like, as soon as she said that she liked him, like, in, for me, I'm like, okay, she was doing what Leia asked her to do in case something happened to her, which was... Yeah, she's, she was being a, a good soldier. Yeah, perfect. And, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, that I could see, like, if Leia was like, you know, if this happens, rain, rain that kid in, he's probably going to do try, try and do something crazy, which is why she didn't tell him anything, which was a big problem for a lot of people, including myself. It's like, why isn't she telling Poe anything? You know what I mean? Like, what does he think he's going to, like, what does she think he's going to do? You know, like, he... He kind of did earn the right to know, which is another thing that kind of it just alludes to the fact that she might. You want to question her character. See, yeah. I don't think uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not uh, against you there. I do believe he needed to know, but what he really needed was a lesson in leadership. He needed that more than needing to know the plan. You understand what I'm saying? Like a hundred percent. Like that. That's what I have written yeah. here, man. Like Leia, Leia's been teaching him this whole time patience. And uh, seeing the bigger picture, not being so brash, uh, that cowboy, flyboy guy, you know what I mean? 
She, I mean, she tells him straight up, like, you can't always answer your, or solve your problems by getting into an X-Wing and blowing things up. Like, that's where, that's where Poe is. Just let me just take care of this the old-fashioned way. Well, the comics have led, alluded to it, you know, that she's kind of setting him up for a bigger role. This movie really pointed toward it in oh, a yeah. huge way, especially oh, yeah. by the end. You're by the end, head with it. But I think by the end, we got to Admiral, uh, Admiral Poe Dameron, pretty much, you know? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, by default. General. Yeah, guys, we, we didn't, we didn't mention it, but in that scene where, where um, Leia gets sucked out into space, we lost Admiral Akbar. Yeah, true. Let's not gloss over that. I mean, this this movie saw the end of Admiral Akbar, which makes a, I guess, sense with uh, the death of Eric Bowersfeld, who did his voice for you know since ever since Jedi. That character's gone, man. No more Admiral Akbar. Yeah, he he's had a long, prestigious career. It's sad that he had to go out like that. Yeah, in a way, in a way, you want to say, didn't that character deserve a little more than just like a whoop? He's gone. He's dead. Jeez. But uh, hey, we we, we got to move, right? This is, I mean, this is a two and a half hour movie that did not feel two and a half hours. Nope, that's not for in sure. The least man. Um, so, and it's funny that the the, the chase scene is pretty much uh, half the movie. It takes place over maybe what eight hours in 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 real galaxy time. So yeah, you know, it has to move. You can't really there's there's no time to. Uh, you know, make funeral arrangements or, uh, <laughs> you know, you're still in the middle of a fight here. So there's the fight or flight uh, instinct uh, kicks in. That's right. Um, and then we, you know, the, at the end, Corey, you kind of alluded to it with, with Leia. And they're, they're kind of looking for a way out of the the mine on crate. And Poe's, like, Poe's the one at this point. He's, he's starting to figure it out. He's this whole leadership thing. And he says, okay, we're going to go look for for another way out. And then he says, uh, everybody follow me. And everybody just kind of turns to Leia. And she's like, don't look at me. Follow <laughs> so him. Like, you heard him. There's yeah, a you very heard him. fortuitous, I think, uh, passing of the torch here. Big that, time. Which I think they, that will really help J.J. Abrams. Oh. As he's he's turned in his first draft, I think, to, to Bob Iger. Or at least he's pitched episode nine. That was a, a MSW story on Friday, which is amazing. I mean, this this whole thing is like clockwork, right? The movie drops. The pitch for the next movie is is done. It's amazing how well oiled this this thing is on certain fronts. But we gotta say, I mean, despite uh, losing Carrie, uh, Ryan set JJ up nicely. There are a lot of outs for him to take care of. Like the the torch is already passed to Poe, so it's not like we're gonna get the new movie and Poe's the general and we don't know how. Like you understand? Like there's so much. Uh, storytelling, future storytelling, like foreshadowing done, uh, so that uh, you know when he gets to the, the the final the final script, it's not something that's out of the blue. It's something that we kind of you know have been uh, either expecting or uh, you know fed breadcrumbs for. Yeah, yeah. There's some setup here that that is really kind of laid out on a platter for for JJ. Um, well, not 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 only that, like let's. I think I'm going to touch on this for every character arc, really, but just the theme between, in this setup, uh, Poe and Leia, there's a lot of what Kylo said in the trailer of letting go of the past. 
And th- that's happening here. You know, we're letting go of Leia in a way of having control of the rebellion. It seems like she's handing the reins over and, and Poe is kind of letting go of a part of himself and seeing the bigger picture and not being so brash and becoming that, that leader, like you guys said. Well, yeah. I mean, contrast th- Poe at the beginning. Poe at the beginning is I'm, I'm, we have an opportunity to take out a dreadnought. I'm going straight ahead with this foolhardy plan of mine, regardless of how many resources it costs us. Fast forward to the end, and he, I don't know, you know, like we said, this is probably just you know a, a few hours later, and it, the the lesson has sunk in. the The Poe of twelve hours earlier would have said, "We're gonna go ahead. We're gonna we can't. Don't break off your attack. Keep going." But this Poe says, "Nah, this is stupid. We're we're getting decimated. Break off the attack." And they they still got decimated, <laughs> you know. I mean, out of <laughs> out of all those uh, those uh, ski speeder, uh, speeders, like how many turned back? Yeah, that's you know? it. The, the three people that we already know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. more or less. They had nine in total, or thirteen in total. What did they have? I don't remember the exact number, but uh, I think yeah. they said thirteen. I think it was thirteen. So, like, if if fifty percent of the people made it back, like. That's, that's, oh gee, that's generous. That's real yeah, generous. generous. I don't even know if that many got back. Um, and considering there were thirteen, it would be kind of impossible, like impossible for fifty percent to. Yes, because because it's a math number. lesson. The math yeah. lesson. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a Star Wars podcast, everybody. Yeah, that's not what I don't want to hear. That actually, in this one. Um, <laughs> You know, people counting uh, X-wings and stuff like that on the way to onto the uh, Star Killer trench run. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, they went in with uh, six speeders and they left with six, but four got shot down and blah blah blah. Like that—that that is pretty funny, though. Like, I, I don't—I don't remember the numbers. Like, twelve went in, eleven got shot down, but like eight still leave. Whatever the number is. <laughs> yeah, they, they, that's, that that's JJ. That's JJ for you. Well, that's yeah. another thing, too. Like, something happened to the fleet, in a way, because, like you said, Snap wasn't there. They still left with all those X-wing, X-Wings, but the only thing we really saw flying were those bombers and A-Wing. Uh, you know, the the, the 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 fighters weren't really present. They mu- uh, there's, I think, there's an, again, there's an easy way to say we, set, we sent Snap and a, a scouting team off to touch base with somebody somewhere. For some the reason. rendezvous. Like, they had a rendezvous. That's it. They had a rendezvous that they never actually got to. Yeah, crate was a contingency plan. That's, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's just wrap up with Leia. Like, is there what else do we want to say about Leia here? I mean, this is Carrie Fisher's last performance. So if you if there's anything you want to talk about with Leia, like literally, this is the podcast to do it. So she 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 nailed the character. Like really, like, and I, I sent you guys an article today about. How she had written a couple scenes, two scenes, and she nailed those scenes in the writing. You know, as a script doctor, uh, she knew what she was doing, and she was Leia. Leia was. It's it sucks for an actor to get tied to something, but Leia was Carrie, and Carrie was Leia, and she absolutely knocked us out of the park, like you had said prior, Kyle. Yeah, it 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 really did feel like Leia. It really really felt like her. Um... Carlos, I mean, <laughs> feels like we're revisiting 2016 where, where Carrie Fisher had passed away, but. I found it very hard uh, on my second viewing. I'm, I'm going to step away for a minute, guys. Okay. Um, yeah, I found it very hard on the second viewing 
Um, because selfishly, my first thought when I heard that she had a heart attack was like, oh shit, is she going to be okay uh, to, you know, continue on? And then uh, she she passed away and uh, like, you know, you're, I, I didn't know her personally. I knew her as Princess Leia. I knew her as a cameo appearance in uh, Scream 3. Uh, or uh, whatever it was and you know a couple of small movie parts here and there um she was always Leia to me and uh, and seeing this movie really made me think more of Carrie Fisher as opposed to Leia and um yeah I mean nothing you know I mean it's just a movie in the grand scheme of 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 life but um I'm just happy that there are ways for... I think her character was done justice. I think her portrayal in this movie, uh, I mean, completely overshadows what she did in The Force Awakens. Um, just she was almost even, a throwaway Yeah, TFA. It, and not only that, even her performance or the way she gave some of her lines was kind of, uh, I'm going to say, clunky a little bit. I didn't really like her performance in The Force Awakens, but... Um, yeah, in this movie, I mean, it's a complete 180. And uh, for my, my feelings of the actual character, uh, of the woman, uh, of the legacy. And um, I don't know. Uh, obviously, uh, I mean, if I can go back and change it, then, you know, she'd still be there uh, for episode nine. But I can't. So um, I, I, I think that, you know. We could throw her roses now and, um, you know, whatever acclaim she gets uh, for her her portrayal in this movie is well-deserved. But, I mean, just as uh, her career and her life, uh, I think that, you know, I think if you look at what she did in this movie, it kind of, it's a microcosm of what she, she, who she was as, a, as an actual person. And I think Carrie and Leia, in my mind, are now one. They're just, you know, I don't look at Carrie Fisher and think Leia. And now they're, they're, you know, melded together. Yeah. Like forever. So intertwined for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was just so good to see her back sort of in, in that leadership role. I mean, she was there in, in TFA, but it felt different this time. It felt like the Leia that we knew in the OT. It felt like the Leia fully in charge, calling the shots with a plan, and and sort of obviously they're on their heels. But it always seemed like Leia's going to figure this out. And I I just I I adored the portrayal of her in in this. Yeah. And even even that moment, there's the moment uh, where she's sort of laying in that little healing tank and Luke makes contact with her through the force and you just see her like whisper Luke. Yeah. Oh, so good. Almost like a direct callback to empire. Exactly. Yeah. There were a couple callbacks, uh, you know, the, 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 the resistance and the rebels having to flee their base and, um, you know, a couple of callbacks, but I mean, nothing. No, I mean, nothing. yeah, there's, yeah, the whole talk of, of Empire and and The Last Jedi being sort of mirror images of each other doesn't hold up. 
at all. Yeah, we got more of a of a, a callback in the Force Awakens with having an actual snow planet. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, so. All right, let's let's jump over to uh, the Finn and Rose arc, which I thought was pretty key. I mean, I, I think I, I don't know if Rose is getting quite the recognition she deserves as a new character. But before we get to Rose, let's talk about Finn's sort of awakening from his from his coma. I thought it was just again hilarious, like downright hilarious for him to sort of pop open his eyes, try to sit up and bang his head on on the inside of that dome. I I love the way John Boy but John Boyega brings humor to this role in in any situation. Yeah, he's great. Honestly, I think he's wow, he's such an amazing actor and like the subtleties like you were saying, you know, just like I believe he banged his head. Like there was you know what I mean, just everything that he does even just little sideways looks at at uh, at stuff that's happening around him. And you know, it just uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was great. And yeah, he's, uh, he always gets these like quizzical looks on his face. Like, yeah, like, what's, yeah, what's happening? He's physically he's gifted as an actor. He's he's really able to convey those 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 emotions, especially in, in, in down the down comedy lane. It works so well. Oh, yeah. um, and I, I love I love how in uh, I think it's 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 in his character. Um, the synopsis of his character where whenever he gets knocked out, he's always knocked out longer than everybody else around him. But when he's <laughs> actually, when he actually gets out of his like little days, he's always ready to go. Yeah. It's like that stormtrooper thing. Good like, to he's go. ready to, yeah, he's good to go. It's, it's amazing. You know, like I just, yeah, I love that. I love that part of him. It was also hilarious. And the movie does this over and over where it's a pretty heavy situation. But the humor just cuts right through it, and it I, it worked every time for me, pretty much. Uh, the moment Poe, uh, BB-8 tells Poe that Finn's walking around naked with us in a sack. Yeah. He's like, he's like, what? Leaking, you, what? Did, did you fry a, fry a chip? Like, what? What's wrong, what's wrong with you? And you, you look over and you just see uh, Finn walking around with this big suit, just like squirting fluids all over the place, and, and he's, he's just, just shuffling like. Like he's yeah. lost in a hallway. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty he, funny. He almost looks like a, a like a senile senile patient at a old folks home, just exactly wandering down the hallway. Like he has no idea where he is. See, and I'm back. I'm back, and I have to say that was a little nitpick in the movie for me. Oh, can you get out of here, man! Go back on a break. <laughs> no, no, I, I I liked it, but I I don't know. I just. Uh, Finn's wounds seemed more grave than that to me. Like he got out of that situation, no, there was absolutely zero consequence to what had happened to him in the Force Awakens. Like I was really under the assumption that we were gonna kind of see a bit of bionic Finn, or at least like oh, lingering wound Finn, you know, like Frodo from the Lord of the Rings. But uh, that wasn't the case. And again, that scene was just the way he was wandering around in the in the, the gravitas of the situation. Was there was a little too much levity at at that time for me? I guess with that, I think that could have been played out a bit differently. But again, I'm not gonna. It doesn't ruin the film for me. You know what I mean? Like, if, can, for can me, I if, just if Finn is not bringing comedy. There's you you cut off a huge chunk of his usefulness to a film if he's not being funny. Oh, plenty of opportunity for that. But we just had that with that Poe and Huck scene. You know what I mean? Like that was like a big handful there. 
But you also pooped on uh, the opening scene of Rebels, where Ezra's having trouble with his jetpack. Like, you, I, it's almost like you, you don't want any funny at all. You just want everything to be epic and serious and dark and gritty. Oh, I don't know. I, I do and I don't. Like, when it gets silly, like slapstick, and I get that Star Wars is kind of like that, like Buster Keaton, um, Jar Jar Binks kind of style, you know? Like, some of it's got to be a bit silly. Yeah, but that was too much. You, you, you can't compare... Finn no. get, getting out of uh, the, the his back to suit uh, to you know Jar Jar like you can't you, you just you, I mean there's no way you can't you, you can't compare the two. No, but it, like it's just the, the slapstick kind of humor to it all. You know, like what a Grinch. like I get it. Don't get me wrong. I I don't I get it, and I laughed, but at the same time, like I was like. Man, like, there's so much going on right now. Like, I just, like Kyle said it, I guess I wanted it to feel a little more epic with everything, like, the situation. You didn't like get I had my. We're going to get to the epic. There's epic in this movie, like. Oh, my like, God, yes. Yeah, so I, I, I have no problem with it. I also, I just want to uh, just, uh, you know, smack you a little bit. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan says that the movie kind of takes off. Uh, from where the Force Awakens ends, but we don't know how much time between Ray landing on Octu, uh, how long that journey was, and how long between the end of the Force Awakens and to the point where they're evacuating the car. You understand? No, you're right. So he could have been so in, like- that, in that suit for two, three weeks easily. Healing. No, but it's like it's almost as if in in interviews, like. It's almost they were alluding to like, oh yeah, like Foe's back in a big uh, Foe again. <laughs> yeah. Finn, Finn's back in a big way, and you know like, uh, but like his like I just thought they were gonna allude to his injuries a little more. Like they like again like kind of like the Lord of the Rings where like he's in a situation that's like oh my back, you know like like you're not fully healed yet. Well, you were not away. That he's fully feel fully healed, but that his his injuries were quite severe like spinal injuries possibly even while you were on break i, I told kyle that the one of the things i love the most about finn and, and his character is the fact that when he's down and out he seems to be down and out longer than everybody else but once he snaps out of it he's raring to go it's part of i think it's part of his character i i, I just think that that's that's who he is as uh as a character so i i I, I I have no problem with him, you know, okay, walking around a little dazed in his back to suit. But when he puts on that uh, that jacket and uh, what looks like a, a ripoff of, of Han's shirt from um, from New Hope. Yeah. It's, it was pretty, no, much, like, pretty much the same shirt. Uh, he, he won me over in, the, in this film, like, in a big, big, big way. Like, The Force Awakens, Finn, I was kind of like, yeah, he's cool, like. I, I get the character, like, but in this movie, like, he really, I loved him, man. I oh, know he was great. He was great. And we also have the the partner for Finn in this episode is Rose, and I gotta say she was one of the standouts for me among many standouts in this movie. But Rose was definitely one of them, and I, yeah. I love, oh yeah, I loved her intro too. Just she's she's super upset about the loss of her sister. Like this is not a warrior, at least not yet. She's just a she's a kid. She's a maintenance worker, mourning the loss of her of her sister. Uh, but you can you can tell the character's integrity right off the hop. Like she's she's brisk. Like she figures out pretty quick that Finn is trying to jump ship. Finn just want, is still at that point 
where he's not really ready to commit to anything. He just he just wants to get Ray and and escape with her. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't like I in the first in the Force Awakens, he's definitely leaving because he's afraid of the First Order and he's ready to leave Ray. Then Kylo Ren uh kidnaps Ray and then he wants to go after her and save her. Now, in this episode, he wants to get away from the resistance, not because he hates the resistance, but because he thinks they're doomed and he doesn't want her to come back to that. He doesn't want her to get stuck in that fight. So I think like his, his character kind of is leaving. There's a little bit of an evolution there in his character that says, you know what? He's not running away because he's afraid for his life. He's running away so that Ray does not come back to her utter dis- destruction and the destruction of the resistance. So, so you're saying so that he can save something that he loves. Yes. <laughs> yes. Whether or not he, he realizes of, it, in yeah. the words of Rose, no. Yeah, whether or not Finn realizes that, that's that's what's happening. That's what he's doing. But I have to I have to say this about these two characters. I think it was the most uh, predictable of all the arcs. Really, the one that, if anything, if anyone had any predictions for this film that came true, these are the ones were they were most likely to to nail it in a way. Elaborate. With just, well, we knew they were going to kind of meet up and that she was going to kind of idolize him for a second. Like, oh my God, you are Finn. Like, and that he was most likely jumping ship or something of that nature and that she's dissuaded by that. She persuades him or he persuades himself to, to get involved. They come up with a plan to go to Canto Bite. We didn't necessarily know that it was just him and Poe's plan or if it wasn't orchestrated by the, the greater uh, resistance, but. Then, you know, uh, they, they go to Canto Bite. They're in search of uh, the Codebreaker. They just happen to fall into to DJ, which, again, we didn't really know. I knew the Fawthiers. Fawthiers. Fawthiers would would play a role in this because I saw a gift, a gift, sorry, about, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, which kind of pissed me off again because it's a spoiler. Like, never saw it in any of the trailers, but it's the scene where they bust through the windows into Canto Bite. And someone made a, had made a gif of that, and I was like, "Like, what's up with that? Why would you spoil something like that, you know? Because they but, can. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so I, I knew that they would come into play at this at one point, kind of, in uh, the grand escape, so to speak. And uh, I, I definitely thought they were going to carry out their mission. I didn't necessarily think they were going to fail. But uh, but doesn't that make it more realistic? Does isn't that yeah. like doesn't that just but, make the story better? Oh yeah, it does for sure. I love that. I absolutely love that. Like they they get to the point where they're they're about to be execution executed and <laughs> executed. Sorry, man. Uh, <laughs> He's up on the beers. De- uh, barely, I barely. You know what? The guy got execution. <laughs> uh. <laughs> anyway, with DJ too, you know, like we kind of said that too with his story arc that he would pretty much sell them out like with the possibility of him saving them later on but that wasn't the case but more or less like everything about their arc was somewhat predictable but the the stuff in between was just like gold the dialogue and the things that actually happened between them well part of their their theme their story is is like the whole theme of of meeting your heroes there's a there's a couple different takes on that in this movie and rose meeting finn 
is one of them. Like she's super blown away that this is the guy that took on Kylo Ren and helped take down Starkiller base. And she says, you're the Finn. And he's like, the Finn. Yeah, you're a hero. Like, what are you, you're, you're the best. And he's just like, ah, oh, what? What are you talking about? Like he, he kind of knows that at, at that point he's, he's a bit of a fraud, but he's, he's very quickly ready to step up in this movie and, and step into that, into those hero shoes. He doesn't take much prodding, huh? Uh, like, his first instinct is like, oh, I got to get out of here. But then as soon as, like, the gravity of... of I mean, he, he had no family, he had no friendships. And and as soon as he found them, he's ready to give his life for them. And it's... it's uh, I just... I love his... Uh, transition. The trans- like he, yeah. He's, yeah. He's full-on resistance now. Like, he committed, like you had said... And again, it's touching back on the theme again for every character, uh, just letting go of the past and like moving forward, embracing the past, moving forward. Uh, that's what he he's doing here. You know what I mean? Like you could really see that. Like he's letting go of who he was and becoming who he's meant to be, kind of. Yeah, and then we have we have Canto Bite, which we didn't get a ton of in the in the lead up to the movie and much of the marketing. We didn't get a, a ton of this stuff. But we knew we got we got a vibe of what this place was going to be like. It was sort of Monte Carlo in space, and we saw a lot of stuff in the Vanity Fair shoots. So we, we kind of had a good picture of what we were getting. But we really get contrasted here with Rose and Finn, who stick out like sore thumbs in their resistance, like grubby, greasy resistance gear. And I, I think this is Ryan Johnson's little area to make some social commentary about you know the haves and the have-nots and the rich and the poor and stuff like that. And I, th- I think this is where this and the dis- disillusioned as well, all, all that kind of stuff. But I think this is where, I mean, these, these are Rose's I think most important scenes for her thematically, where she's telling telling Finn to look a little bit closer because Finn is like, "Look at this place. This is amazing." Yeah, exactly. He's reveling in it, and she's just like, "Why don't you look a little bit closer at what's really going on here?" And he can then he can sort of see for himself. The the cravenness, the abusiveness, and the gluttony. Yeah, he he gets to see all that kind of stuff firsthand now. I I like that about Rose. I like that she's sort of that kind of voice in this movie. Yeah, I love that. That's why, like, when I saw her toy out there today, like, I just I was like, ah, Rose, come, mine. <laughs> Look, come on, it didn't wouldn't have taken much, anyways, for you to just. <laughs> well, I wasn't as I wasn't ex- as excited for because still again the first time I've seen her out there. Like, there's other characters that are gonna be peg warmers. Like, sort of say like your boy Poe, uh, she's gonna hang for a while. Yeah, but they make more of him. That's the thing. You know what I mean? Probably. I would. I would say that's probably. I fair. am not insulted at all by who's warming pegs. I don't. <laughs> it's not that. It's I, you should be. You should be flattered in a way because I've said like they they just mass produce him in a quantity where like. Guys are gonna want this guy. Girls are gonna want like it's just that's the way it is, man. Like, but when I saw her, I was just like, I, I really she did it for me in this film, man. Yeah, a lot of people had problems with with Canto Bite as a sequence, as a whole. But if you don't have this movie, you don't get Rose's development, and also you there's nothing for Finn and Rose to do if you don't give them this mission. Like, there's if they stay with the Republic, or sort of the Resistance, they're just sitting around doing nothing. They they they're totally wasted if. If they don't get this side mission, so I. No, I but I, I understood. I understood 
the whole uh, getting them off the ship uh, and having their own little side mission, completely understood it. I didn't like Canto Bite. I didn't like the casino scene. It, it, I, I've said this before, and uh, I, you know, forgive me f- uh, for those listening who've heard me say this. It just it took me out of Star Wars, and I was expecting to see uh, Bond at a certain point. It was it was almost too well done. Um, in that was it Monte not, Carlo, was it not spa- like Star Warsy enough? Was it, it was too actually Monte Carlo for you? There was too much gold. It was it was too uh, yeah. There was too much too much Monte Carlo. Um, yeah, they should have got a little more creative. I know what you mean with like uh, holograms and stuff like that. Yeah, like you know the slots were like um, balls, like but they were like physical. Uh, I would have preferred to see more something like that arcade we see in Attack of the Clones. More of, um, you know, because that that's still, that's part of the universe. But this is more like, you know, I don't know. There was like, just I, something I feel about like the setting, the setting of that casino probably exists somewhere. I, I know it's a set that they built, but I feel like that casino could be somewhere on this planet. Oh, definitely. Just definitely. with a lot of people in some crazy costumes. Yeah, it looks um, like it could, it could have came out of uh, Casino Royale easily. Like, uh... I don't know. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the, the visuals were, were stunning. I'm not going to say anything bad about how it looked. And some of the, the alien characters were cool. Um, there was one little scene there where uh, there was a, a man in a white uh, jacket with the red um, uh, the plume on his, on his uh, lapel. The, the, pa- the palm bloom. The palm bloom, that's right. And, and um, his, uh, his date is actually... Like, what's going on here? Like, what's happening? Why are they being arrested? Like, what's... Like, she seemed more interested. Like, is, is she going to be a character that that kind of turns on the opulence and, and goes towards the rebels? Like, I don't know. There was just something about that, that little scene there with those two characters that there was just too much prominence in the shot for me to say that that's just a passing by, you know? I don't know. I, I think they're just kind of really trying to point out the fact that that was the guy and that there was something going on and you're missing it but he wasn't important. the guy that's the whole point like he wasn't the guy so th- there's there's a reason yeah, but why th- they th- that's on that's him. the thing too though would i think maz was pointing toward that guy but they ended up falling into dj's lap like dj i was looking i kept looking i was like is dj gonna have that like uh what do you call it the plume whatever <laughs> that flower <laughs> palm i don't know <laughs> the palm bloom. Sorry, man. <laughs> I've seen the film once, but uh, yeah, like whatever that was, I was I was hoping at one point you kind of like flash it, like like, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, it was him we were looking for all this whole time." Well, I don't think Maz told this character, this code breaker, that I'm sending people to for you. I think she was a little tied no. up when we saw her. What do we think of Maz's cameo? Really quick. It's interesting. It uh, makes me it makes me think like what what battle and where in the galaxy is she right now? Like that she's I, I love she's, it. I love yeah. that she's up to some kind of hijinks somewhere. She's having some yeah. misadventures all over the place. I, I think that's hilarious for that tiny little withered tangerine. <laughs> yeah, she's uh at first I was kinda of, I, I thought it was cute. I'll say that. I I was like, Okay, this kinda of works for me, you know. Yeah, it worked for me. I I, I enjoyed her. 30 seconds of screen time. Because it does make sense again. Like, she's 
you know, she's lost everything. She's probably kind of scheming around to, to try and make a quick buck to restart something. I, I'm sure she has a thousand irons in the fire somewhere. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, we'll, we'll probably get a, if not a comic, at least a novel about what she's doing now. I'd read that for sure. I still, I, you know, I still think she's a treasure trove of, of knowledge that we need to, you know, crack into her backstory and, and figure out what she knows. For sure, like how she got that saber. Definitely. Well, I don't. Well, I, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get it's there. It's broken now, right? <laughs> it's irrelevant, right? Yeah. It's it's irrelevant, but it's still it's nice to know these things as a fan. Yeah, I sure it is. But the tumbling saber. It's it's no longer relevant about where that saber came from or how it came to her possession. Not important. Um, let's talk quickly about, again, this this whole thing of, of, of class in Canto Bite. We meet those little slave kids who, who kind of man the stables where the, where the, where the fa- fathers are. And that come, comes to be really important towards the end of the movie. But yep. this is where we see um, Rose kind of planting a seed of hope for the next generation. And this is kind of unbeknownst to her, but just a simple act of kindness on her part to just try and comfort this kid that, that she's not there to, to hurt them. They're with the resistance. And right. He, she buys a little loyalty just by being nice to somebody. It's amazing how that works. Well, you know, it really alludes to again, like uh, I seem to keep using that word, but uh, it's the, the future like they have nothing left, the resistance. They're done. They were all on the Falcon by the end of this this film. So the resistance is pretty much gone. Like whatever they have to do, it's it's the future generations moving forward that are gonna uh dictate kind of what's going on. And that's when they're saying, you know, that, that quote that Poe says, We are the fire that is gonna spark and this is the spark. Those kids that we saw are the spark, man. And what Rose helped light that spark. It's we are the spark that will light the fire. That's that's the line. But anyway, <laughs> it's perfect. And it, it leads right back into that. Like yeah. the, those kids are uh, metaphorically that kind of or symbolic of that. Like they are the spark that's going to ignite uh, future generations, man. Well, to tie up this whole uh, uh, Finn and Rose arc uh, in a bowl, once they come back and um, they're on the, the, the ski spe- uh, speeders. Uh, well, we, we skipped over the whole supremacy part. Oh, okay. I thought we were going arc by arc. Yeah, no. We, they, Finn and Rose end up leaving Canto Bight and, and DJ oh, gets yeah, them onto right, Snoke's right, right. ship, right? Which Which proves to be one of the cooler sequences of the movie. They're there to shut down that uh, hyperspeed tracking system, right? But they, of course, DJ sells them out. I think a lot of us saw that coming. That he would he well, would flip yeah. on them just because it was <clears throat> because it was convenient it's, to, right? They even like they they told you it basically. Uh, was it in the trailer? I think. Just look at that one shot of him looking back. It's it's obviously him stepping to them and. Like it was very clear that he was going to turn on them. Yeah, we, we he, talked about he, it, right? We, I think we said exactly that. That whoops, I got a better deal. Yeah, he's not a liar. So he said, "We got caught. I made a deal." That's you. You can't really like. Um, I mean, they were going to get executed. So I think he did what he had to do. Uh, I, I I would challenge any of you to 
in that same position not to say, listen. <laughs> I got some intel you might be interested yeah, in. Exactly. So one, one thing I will say about his character, though, is that I don't think we've seen the last of him the way it ends. I think we have. Really? I, I think I think it's one of those things where we're going to see him in 9, like, Finn, like, you. Like, I think I'd be like, do we even know that he survived? Yeah, he left. Yeah, he got away on his ship, bro. Yeah, they gave him a ship. He was long gone. He had his ship. He'd stolen the ship from Canto Bight. But yeah, who knows? Who knows where that is in relation to where they were in that execution hangar? Like, he could have been on on the other side of the ship for all we know. And where do you think he was taking his money to? Do you think it was in that hangar? Like that's not where they parked it. Well, the way they were escorting him somewhere, whatever it is, and that, DJ but, made but out that's, that's, a rich man. That's where the, the spit hit the fan. Like, right at that point is, is where Holdo uh, rammed, rammed the Radis at hyper at high, light speed right through the supremacy. And that's where things went crazy. Like, who knows who's... Like, when when things come to in that, in that uh, burning I think hangar, he was far... There's like two people clever left Clever enough alive. to get away. Yeah, I, I think... I think he was clever enough to get away. Yeah, I think uh, honestly, I believe he gets away, and I I believe that there's something about that character, the the whole. I mean, he doesn't speak much, and when he does, half the time he's stuttering, and when the one thing that he does say is "Don't join," and that tells me that in episode nine he will join, and he's going to put all his chips in behind the rebels. So that that's my It's possible, yeah. That feels possible regret or something like that. Yeah, the character was super interesting too in the way uh Benicio pulled it off too. Like you'd said it, Kyle, you, the stutter, uh the subtle stutter like it really Well, yeah, he brought some, it, he brought some flair to that role. The way he kind of like zips and drags his fingers through his little code breaking tools. Uh there yeah, there was a, there was a panache to that character and adding the stutter. I don't know if that was uh, Del Toro's own twist to that character. My- Del Toro. <laughs> what did I say? What I- yeah. Ben- yeah, Benicio yeah. Del Toro. That's true. <laughs> oh, shut, shut, shut your mouth. I gotta feel like, in, in my opinion, I could be wrong, and I'll be happy to be wrong, because he is interesting, but I think we're done with him. I don't know. I, I don't know that we'll see a role for him in 9. I see it, I see it fitting, like... If you want to talk about characters serving characters, um, Last Jedi is a pretty prime example of that. So I don't see I'd see why not, you know, in the next film. You could see him and Finn being like, Mother? Mm. Yeah, maybe. Uh, could, Again, uh, I'm happy to be wrong. But I just I just personally don't see it. But uh, 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 hey, we'll find I out. Can, I can see it both ways, actually. So, you know, maybe Kyle's right or uh, we're right uh, to, to a certain extent. I mean, it depends on what other talents he has. Like, are, are they going to need a code breaker again? He's not just if you, a if you don't. It could be a small, ga- small galaxy thing. Just bump into him somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll see. He's a pilot, right? So there's a lot. Of, he has a lot of talents. But then we we get a, a nice little battle right before they they execute. or right after the execution scene. Uh, we get which surprised me. I had a theory that. It, this trilogy was going to build up in episode nine to Finn versus Phasma. I thought in this episode, Finn's going to take on a tougher breed of stormtrooper, but that didn't happen. Like we, he just went right to the main event against, against Phasma like that. And, and again, good riddance. I am, I'm glad 
that she's gone. Like that she's it was one villain too many. She served no purpose in either TFA or The Last Jedi. I think Ryan Johnson was was smart and correct to recognize that and write her out. I mean, she really has like two scenes. Well, when you say it like that, like that Ryan Johnson is correct in writing her out, I might have to agree with you because uh, I was like, how is he saying this is right when a character has absolutely no purpose? And that's exactly what I got from this too. Like she served Finn's character. Uh, but yeah, there was nothing to it, man. Like we've got books, we've got comics. They explain some stuff, but it's like, to what end? Man, like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, nothing happened in the movies. In the first movie, she divulges information. And in this movie, actually, one of my predict- predictions came true. I said she would get cracked in the face by Finn, uh, Twilight of the Apprentice style, and we'd see, like, her eye or half her face yep. or something through her mask. And uh, that actually did happen. Exactly But I happened. still didn't I, – I didn't expect her to die, you know? Like, I thought she'd kind of worm her way into the uh, episode nine, but – to have her die, I was like, what a waste, man. Like, honestly, like, I, I get that we kind of needed that character in a way, but to me, that's, it's, I don't know. Like, that's when you start realizing, like, oh, man, it's, like, I look at it, right, and I see it more as a movie at that point, you know what I mean? Like, like I get that that character was there for this, and it just could have been a little, could have been a little more uh, meaningful for that character. That that character was was almost cannon fodder. Like she's completely useless. I can't stand that character. Carl, well, do you, have any, do you have any thoughts on Phasma's demise? Uh, I'm on board with you. Like, um, I think the character's cool. Uh, I I bought the um, the Lego uh, brick heads of uh, Finn and Phasma, and I'm happy that uh, he cracked her in the face. <laughs> I think no, but you. I think that's the point. Like. She's an oppressor. Uh, she's the captain of of, uh, of a squadron of stormtroopers who are there mostly against their will uh, or uh, stolen from families that they've never known. And they, they know they know other, no other way. Yeah, they know exactly. But but uh, he's the one guy who stands up for them, and uh, I think she serves that purpose, and it's to get her head cracked in. By uh, what's by what's Finn? that going to do to his ego moving forward or his confidence level as well, man? Like it's not. I don't. Like, think... I did it, man. No, I would say ego, but confidence level, like moving forward with the rebellion, like he, him too. He's got to be like at the general status. Like he's Finn now, you know. Like everyone's like it's Finn. Oh my god! Like the guy that's playing with the big boys and the Jedi and all this stuff, you know. Like he's probably going to have a major role. Like he's always done something crazy. Like people are going to look up to him in the next one. Yeah, he doesn't. So. He doesn't walk away from the fight. He walks towards it, and not only that, his his first parry into into the into the fight, he he jumps up and uh, like crazy move. You know, like it, it's more than what I had expected. Looking at the um, looking at the the, the trailer, uh, seeing how he comes over the top and she blocks his 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 first attack, but seeing his actual first attack in the movie. And, um, you know, how he's developing into, into a fighter, uh, you know, just an evolution compared to what we see him do to Kylo Ren, uh, in The Force Awakens. It's, I mean, I, I, I love this character. I, I really, really love this character. I love Finn. I think he's great. Yeah. You know what's funny though? He's smart. It show, it show, it kind of shows the world that we live in. See, 
One of the criticisms of Rey, oh, she's overpowered. How can she take on Kylo Ren with no training? Well, here we have Finn, who, just in TFA, got his clock cleaned by a stormtrooper. Traitor! That guy. <laughs> Fast forward a little bit, Finn gets put into a coma, wakes up, kills Phasma. Like, does any of this sort of not jive? Like, no one's saying, oh, how did... Finn... He didn't get his ass kicked by the stormtrooper. Of course he did. He was about to die. He absolutely got whooped by that stormtrooper. And yeah, then he wakes up from a coma. Wakes up from a coma and takes takes Phasma to the, to the woodshed and kills her. But the, the, the lead up to the Force Awakens and books and stuff, like, he was, he was a pretty, like, prominent soldier all the same, no? Like, he knew his way around... He knows his way around all that stuff, and I like the way that they they pointed that out. Like he's smart the way he talked with Rose. Like he knows his technology stuff. That's fine, uh, but there's sort of something in the in in fandom. Like nobody said, "Oh, I, geez, that's kind of a leap for Finn to be able to take out Phasma like that." But if you know Ray takes down Kylo, bah, how did she do that? And I, well, it was never a problem for me either. It's not a problem on it. either end for me. It never was. But it's 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 sort of strange to me that nobody's talking about. Hey, that's sort of odd that Finn just kind of wakes up from a coma and takes out the baddest stormtrooper of all. Hmm. Plays T-ball with her head. Yeah, he, ca- yeah, he catches well, her off guard too. Like there's there's luck in in that equation. Yeah, yeah. She's you know, she's a little was, distracted. Uh, but did you guys the... notice there was it was kind of like Marty McFly in uh, in part two when he's he lands. He jumps off the roof and lands on the DeLorean, comes up and knocks Biff out with the door. <laughs> it, ki- it kind of resembled that, you know? It had a little bit of that Back to the Future vibe. A little bit of that. That's funny. But yeah, I, again, I'm not complaining. I think it's fine. Uh, I don't really have a problem with it, but I think there's a little bit of... of I don't even know what the right word is. I would, you know, Whatever. But yeah, I think I made my point there. Um, well, he has training, right? So he he's been trained since birth, or not since birth, but uh, from a young age, uh, to to fight. And uh, whether his day to day job was to mop the floors, or uh, you know sanitation, or what what have you, I mean, he's still, you know, is trained to fight. So there there there's something there. There's the training, not only the training, but just the fact that it it's this fight. It's now or never, and he's committed to that, like. Kind of gives you that rocky edge in a way, you know what I mean? Like you, you're just more motivated, like you're more you're you're more in the heat of the moment, kind of. You're feeling it more, using the force a bit. In a okay, way, I mean that's fine. Of. I mean you don't have to justify it to me. I'm just saying that the that that why it's okay for Finn to take out somebody with, you know, given a, a disparity in talent and and strength and all that stuff, but when Ray did it, it's suspect. That's all I'm saying. Well, uh, I, I'm not part of that that fandom that was questioning, uh, you know, race power. So, yeah, no, just just an observation, I, I, and it is out there. Oh no, for sure. Uh, and then finally, down on crate, uh, they get off the supremacy through sheer luck and a little help from BB-8 piloting a walker, which a lot of people groaned over. I loved it. I loved it. Sorry, not sorry. I I thought it was hilarious, and you know I I don't know if being a dad helped with that, but I, like when I first saw that, 
my first thought went to my my son and my daughter, who I know one day whenever they see this, they will pee their pants laughing. So that was the f- well. Suddenly, that like we we've seen astromechs pilot all kinds of things. Like that that part wasn't a big leap for me. No, yeah, it wasn't. A, a lot of people did kind of groan at that, which I, for me is it's not a problem. <laughs> you know, no, Star, I love Star Wars it. makes I love a lot it. of things possible. Seriously. Uh, anyway, so they they get off uh, the supremacy and down onto crate, and this. The, they all suddenly know how to pilot a janky speeder, thank goodness. But it was, it, there's a moment where Finn seems like he's going to make the ultimate sacrifice. And we see we saw part of those moments in trailers where he's not going to let them win. And I didn't know at that... I mean, I don't think any of us did, that Finn was geared up. Uh, Corey, you asked the question, like, what does Phasma do to his ego? I don't think it does anything to his ego. He was ready to sacrifice himself. Mm-hmm. No, his confidence level, his understanding, like, like he he's just com- more committed than ever. Uh, committed than ever, yeah, sure. But I don't think he's there was ever a thing that he was going to be any more full of himself or uh, thinking that he's... They, they, I, have to, I have to say, though, in, at that moment in the theater, like, watching it the first time, I'm like, they had me, man. I'm like, he's doing it. He's going to do it. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, I'm like, was, we're going to lose Finn. I was bracing for that more than the Leia moment where... I, I kind of knew that they'd bring like she that was not the end for Leia. I'm like, really? Is this is this really going to be the end for John Boyega? And I'm I'm going through my Rolodex again. Think, what information do I can I fall back on? And the the thing I pulled up to say, okay, Finn's going to be okay. And this is all happening in you know half a second in your when as your brain works. Uh, John Boyega said that he was happy that JJ was coming back for nine because blah blah blah. So I'm like, okay. The, so Finn can't die. And sure enough, uh, Rose comes out of the blue and sideswipes him and knocks him out of the way of this uh, this Death Star cannon. Yeah, miniature Death Star cannon, right? That's kind of the way they referred to it. Something anyway. like that. Yeah, yeah so uh, Rose swoops in, saves the day, and we get that really poignant line from, from Rose where she says, um, we don't fight against the things we hate. We fight, what, what does she say? Fight to save the things we love? We don't win. Line? We don't win by killing what we hate, but by saving the things we love. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is a a great line. Yeah, it had me in tears Beautiful. the second time. Yeah, such a such a nice line, and that was. And the kiss. Don't forget the kiss, Kyle. That's a little. Yeah. Well, that that was a that was a call that I made a long time ago. That yeah, these. I think it was on the, uh, were, you know, on... Be the be the Star Wars couple going forward. Yeah, I think it was on your your powerful f- friends questionnaire. I put that in there as well. Yeah, just to see what what people would say. Um, yeah, and that that kind of takes us to the end of of Finn's arc, which and and Rose's arc, which I think really cleverly written by by Ryan Johnson. Oh, honestly, very exactly. I think you said it right. Like cl- cleverly written, but uh, we we knew. Not necessarily exactly where it was going, but the the general, general, general outline of of that arc. And also, I think uh, Rose's theme on the soundtrack is terrific, so good. And even when we see it in the movie, where they're kind of running on the beach on Canto Bite, mm-hmm. I think I believe that's pretty much her theme. One of the better moments of the score. 
in a in a I, score that has a lot of good moments. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't had the time to uh, to hit up Spotify for that yet. Oh, you got to get on that. It's so it's it's really really good score. Um, just finally on their arc, the intro of one of my I think one of my new favorite characters, and I I found him today in the Visual Dictionary. I think his name is Slow and Low. Mm. <laughs> Mr. Uh... The Joseph Gordon-Levitt character. Yep. But it's the way this guy speaks that has me in stitches every time. Do you guys know this character? Yeah, he's the one that uh, he's, he's talking to, uh, to them. Uh, I told them not to park on the beach, but they didn't listen to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got to be my, my kind of sleeper character, my favorite sleeper character. I love that character, man. There's the speculation of uh, Mark Hamill being the character that, uh, that was trying to slip all the coins in the BB-8. Mark Hamill. Because he does have a second... Yeah, Mark Hamill's got a second credit in The Force Awakens, or in The Last Jedi. Is he doing the voice, maybe? Because I think... I, I... Yeah, he's doing the voice for a CGI character. Like, I, I saw the interviewer. He he said he asked Ryan Johnson, I'd like to do that. And they agreed on something, but they... He says, I won't tell you who it is. He's like, I want someone to kind of pick it out. So now the speculation's out there. Uh, nothing's been confirmed as of yet, but uh, fans are kind of pointing toward that one scene where that guy's slipping all the coins in uh, BB-8. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll go with that. All right, so that's the end of, of Ray and... and uh, Sorry, not Ray. Finn, Finn and Rose. Finn and Rose. I'm getting or, tired of you guys. Uh, Rin and Foes. <laughs> Foe and pin. <laughs> Let's get to the main event here with Ray and Luke and Kylo and Snoke. Sort of the, the, the heart of the film. But we'll go back to the beginning on Act 2. And Luke tosses away the saber after all this time of waiting and waiting. What's he going to do? Who called it? Who Did anyone call it? He's going to toss it away? I think we did at one point. We we one of us said I can't. I don't know if it was me, you, or James, or possibly even Carlos. Like, just saying. Like, imagine if you just did that, and we're like, ha, 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 ha. like just tossed it off as a joke. But I'm sure one of us has said it at one point. I don't remember. Maybe, but it, it's it came off as a, kind of a surprise to me. I thought maybe he'd give it back to her, or but it makes sense, right? He's like, forget this thing. I don't want to forget this. I don't want any part of this this thing. Well, no, knowing the character exactly, like after having seen the film, yeah, it makes sense. And he and he wants no part of Ray. We knew this coming into the film. There was nothing that was gonna bring him back. And he kept he kept saying that throughout the movie that, no, I'm not going back. And we kept thinking that maybe he will. Something's gonna bring him back. But he he was resolute, man. Like he was not going to help. How did how that guys make you feel? That's I think that has to be a lot of people's hurt and pain because it did you know like I was I have to say uh, expectations right um, heroes from childhood we we were really expecting that that's what we wanted I think that's what we all wanted deep in our hearts search your feelings you know it to be true well jeez I think yeah I mean we the way we kind of path this out in our brain is that, yeah, okay, Luke's going to resist for a while, then he's going to train Ray, and he's going to show up at the end and, and help save the day, so to speak. 
But I think throughout the film, we get these very on-the-nose comments. And I think Luke gave a, gave one away. He said, what do you think? I was going to just pick up my light sword and my laser sword and, and take on the First Order alone or so, something to that effect. And I think in our minds, we're going, yeah, that's kind of what we're expecting from you. That's kind of what he yeah, did, too. Green. <laughs> in his own, yeah, just, in his, at the end of the day, in, in his own special way, yeah, in, in a, a very unexpected way, yeah. way, that's kind of what he did. But yeah, yeah. But it took so much to get there, and the fact, like you said, just to see your your hero from childhood so completely decimated and jaded, and just no matter what's said to him, like he's resolute in his uh, convictions. You know, did it did it feel unnatural to you that Luke had undergone this change? Like I I, I think a lot of people in their minds. Uh, Yes, like it kind of like a lot of people would set it right off the bat, and I think you yourself had said it as well. Like uh, it negates Jedi almost to have Luke in such a predicament. It doesn't no, but I having didn't say that wasn't me. Oh, you, I'm sure you've said that many times for Luke to to not like come back, and uh, again, like, it, it really negates what happens in Jedi in a way. No, I don't think Kyle ever said that. I, I'm pretty sure we've heard that from quite a few people, but uh, Kyle wasn't one of those. I, it, well, either way, <laughs> it, it, not it, that that's not the case to me anymore. Anymore, yeah. Like it, it hurts to see as fans. Like you want Luke to have that moment, and he does in this film. Thank God. But uh, it's like he was really. It's like you want to see uh, the Mister Miyagi Luke, right? Like you want to see him come full circle and be like, "Let's do this thing, Ray." But it just never comes to that. Like she leaves him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, he completely shut himself off from the Force. Like, he didn't even know about Han. I, th- I think to a man, I think we all kind of expected that. Oh yeah, if Leia felt Han die, then certainly Luke felt it too. That's interesting. That's really interesting that Luke didn't feel it, and Leia was just like, <gasps> well, because Luke, Luke, that's it. He he cut the cord. He was he was off the clock. He was not paying attention to the Force at all. Which is that to me is a bit of a shocker. Like he's. When he said he was going there to die, like he mean, he he didn't mean he was going to go there to eventually become one with the Force. He just meant he was going to sit there and just die an old man and just rot in a cave. So that that's just one thing I kind of okay. If you, you you still have your principles about you, if that's the case, you're gonna rot away. Like if you're that jaded, like why not just kill yourself? You know, oh that's not the Jedi way. But you know, like everything that you've done to this point is really not the Jedi way. You know. Like, you're just going to sit there and wait because it's not the right thing to do to kill yourself if you really just want to die. Like, I don't even know if he still considered himself Jedi. I mean, can you? If you if you cut yourself off from the very thing that you're supposed to worship, are you still really a part of that? Are you still that thing? I don't think he can ever really... He could shut it out probably as best he can, but I don't think he could ever really let that go. Well, I mean, he comes back to it. There's that. It's a great scene where Luke touches the force kind of like for the first time in who knows how long where he's, you know, that, that little, um, kerfuffle with Ray. Not even that. I don't even know if he was using the force there, but when he starts, yeah, go on, there, you know, that, that's like that seal on the floor and it's like, it starts yeah. to vibrate. The water in it starts to vibrate. That's sort of his first yeah. time for anyway. The way I interpret that is that was his first time touching the force in ages and that's what allows him to sort of reach out and connect with Leia. 
and that 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 for me was Luke sort of hmm, coming back around because to that point he was just nothing, no way. But yeah, I, a, lot I of, a, a lot of people struggling with this with this version of Luke that had just completely checked out. Well, it hurts, man. Like you said, it's like he did all that lead up for the six movies for Luke to come out on top and you know to to see his father to death and it's a happy ending and now we are where we are it's like it does hurt i'm not going to deny that i just want to say like as far as the luke uh the whole luke arc uh between the return of the jedi and and where we find them now there's there's lifetimes in between uh, those two, those two uh, yes. uh, movies. It's yes. like I, I, I look at myself well, I think now. We, I'm 38 years old, and I, I remember what I was at 29, and I'm 31. I'm a completely different person. Absolutely. So how many times has has Luke changed over that time? How many times have you changed over that time? It, that's I think exactly it's unfair. It. Yeah. I th- well, it's not only that. But like, I think Jedi is supposed to kind of maintain that kind of like uh, continuous thing there, but like. We got the answer in this film. What really changed Luke is what happened with himself and Kylo. And that was the... To me personally, like, when when everyone's like, don't let anyone spoil this for you. Like, if there were any spoiler in this film, let me ask you guys, like, what do you think it is? To me personally, it's the fact that Luke... Those flashbacks of Luke are are just so incredible. Like, the first one from Kylo's perspective, Luke looks like the devil... Like, I was like, in my seat, like, looking at it, I'm like, oh, my God. When you see it from Luke's perspective, it's a little different. But I think that's, that's like, the moment, you know? Sure. Yeah, but uh, Carlos touches on something I think is super important to bear in mind. For for us fans, there's a Luke in 6, and there's a Luke in 7 and 8. And we just draw a straight line to those two and say, this doesn't work. There's 30 years in between. People will change, and there's been a lot of tragic events in Luke's life in the, I guess in, in his recent past that will, well, I think that will the, change it's the you. temple in Kylo. It's that for sure. It's that for sure. It's that, that will, that will change a person. I don't think it's just so easy to say, ah, well that, that sucked, but you know what? Buck up. I'm, I've got a, I've got things to do. He gives the numbers down. He breaks it down. How many students were there? I think a dozen students. He was it there? And yeah, five left with Kylo. Yeah, he said a handful. I think I think he said he, he said five straight up. No, I don't think he he didn't put a number to it. No, I'm pretty sure he did. I'm pretty sure he didn't. <laughs> hmm. I've seen it once. I'm pretty sure it was five. I've seen it twice. There's no number. Really? No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm certain he's. I'm I'm virtually certain that he says that uh, he he took he he left with a handful of my students and and slaughtered the rest. That's why I was thinking Praetorian Guard. Knights of Ren? Well, no, I was thinking, well, possible Knights of Ren or Praetorian Guard, like, they kind of got assimilated into that. Very Anyways, possible. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I just look at it like, I, I didn't have any expectations of, I, you know, there's what you want to see and what you feel the the saga should bring um you know what you don't want to see and then there's what they gave us like it's normal that people are going to be disappointed or 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 uh, 
or jaded or whatever, you know, oh, yeah, Luke, he's a Jedi man. Well, no, you, you don't know what he is. That's the whole point. They, they can actually go back and do a trilogy of those 30 years that are missing. No, like you nailed it, Carlos. Like that's the whole thing about this thing that people are having a hard time dealing with is the the expectation level. We said it from the beginning. Like we had a this head cannon, whatever it is. Luke is he, Luke is jaded. We all kind of knew that, but now we always thought that he was gonna kind of make a three sixty and come back and save the day, and he kind of did. But kind of, he we didn't completely did. To, we we didn't expect it to go the way it did, though. No, no, not at all. But you know what? I think. This is a, there's, there's a problem I think in Star Wars, in that when something bad happens, it's rare that we really get to see it. And I'm talking about Alderaan. We don't get to see that. Like, we see it blow up, but we have no connection to that place. We don't know Leia very well at that point. So when this planet blows up. All we have to go on is her reaction, and she doesn't like she. I mean, she's a strong character. She doesn't burst into tears. She doesn't freak out. So we're like, okay, if she can deal with it, so can I. Invasion of Naboo, catastrophic death toll. I didn't see one dead person. I don't care. I really don't care about what's happening on Naboo. And I think it would have helped a lot of people if there had been some backstory, more backstory about how Luke's Academy fell. If we had seen this, if we had seen how it, directly how it affected Luke, I think it, it would be easier to swallow this for people that are struggling with this version of Luke, it would be easier for them to deal with if you saw what happened to him in more detail than I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of aspects of that film that could have gone into more detail that I was a little disappointed with, but that's a big one that you had just mentioned. Yeah. I I think that's something that happens in star Wars frequently that, uh, at some point it's got to be fixed. I mean, they had plenty of time to fill in some cracks here. They could have easily, given us something somewhere to to show us why Luke is in this state. Anyway, so I, I, I feel like for for somewhere where it's a jarring swing in character and a betrayal of the characterization of Luke, I I think it's I think it's at, at least it's an honest story from Ryan Johnson. It he it would have been very easy for him to bring Luke back into the fold put him in his Jedi robes, give him a lightsaber and have him run out there swinging lightsabers and using the force. Exactly. Like, that would have been easy. Ignite the green. Uh, like that would, like you said, it'd be easy. Uh, expectation levels. Like that, that but... would be the, the crowd pleasing thing to do. And people go, yay. But I think this has made a far more compelling story. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. All right. So I, I, I love it. I, I have absolutely no problem with, with uh how, that was how, the shock right like that it. was the shock yeah i guess that yeah that's kind of the I mean, if, if there was to be a i, I, I mean there is I, no I, i'm I your father okay. moment in this movie but i think the big shocks are certainly Luke's seeing Luke in this in this state of mind and seeing um yeah i mean that, that's kind of, and well, it's, it's like, Luke. I think the big shocks are Luke's state of mind, Luke trying to kill Kylo, and, that, and Luke's death. Yeah, those. I mean, those those are big ones. <clears throat> um. So we, yeah, we get we get a really great scene. I mean, there's so many great Luke scenes. I mean, there's there's no way we can cover them all in one show. I don't think. Um, but the 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 Yoda Luke scene, 
Like, how perfect was that? It was amazing. So good, man. We called it. Oh, my God. I, I can't believe we actually saw the puppet Yoda back in action. It was amazing, man. It was, yeah, it was, I mean, it, that was so well written. I I find it was that was just a natural extension of the conversations they had on Dagobah, both in Empire and exactly. Jedi. It just felt so perfect. The, and and I heard, and when also I also heard it. It's so cool when Luke spoke to R two, and when Luke spoke to Yoda, I heard Luke. Like, not Mark Hamill or anything. Like, I heard young Luke. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it helps when, when Yoda addresses him as young Skywalker. <laughs> mm. Well, it's just... No, just the the tone and pitch of his voice. Like, the way he whined with R2. Like, I it was right back to 1970-something, you know? Yeah, yeah, they, they kind of time-warped it. Luke, I mean, Luke... Or Mark Hamill acted the, the hell out of those scenes then, and he, he did it again now. Um, I think I think we all kind of fell for Yoda's little Rickroll trick about the uh, the the text in the trees, or the the, the Jedi did. text, where we thought that they got burned. Luke was going to go torch it himself. Uh, lo and behold, Yoda does it for him, and then tells Luke that there's nothing in that tree that Ray doesn't already possess, and the way I took it, and I think a lot of people took it, was Rey possesses all the qualities to be a great Jedi. She's she, she she'll grow to be wise and powerful. We don't need the books. We've got Rey. Yeah, he's trying to tell him that it's already inside her. Whatever, all the things that she needs to know are already inside her. But in reality, <laughs> he's being literal about it. She took the books. They're on the Falcon. She took them. Yeah. I. I that was just genius to me. And I didn't, I don't know how many people realized or noticed that the first time around, but it, it took me a second viewing to go, oh, holy shit, there's the books. Yeah. We had talked about it in the thread and I, I, I said that other people had seen it. And, and the first time around, obviously it, uh, it went straight over my head, but the second time around, I was actually looking for it and wow, like clear as day. Like this, you you see the spines of the books, like the ivory that's carved, like it's it's fantastic, it's amazing, and um, yeah, it makes that scene, that Yoda scene, even better. It makes it even better. Like he's yep. he's like you're you're such a young fool, man. You're still you still have a lot to learn, young Skywalker. Like you know, it was it was pretty funny. I I couldn't believe it. You know, like I it's so funny. You guys pointed out to me, and I'm like, or I'd seen it somewhere, and I swear to God, I remember seeing it vividly in the movie. It just didn't, I was so taken aback at this point in the movie. I was so in another world, but I clearly remember. I think it's basically when uh, Ray's putting her lightsaber away, if I'm not mistaken, or the broken lightsaber that you see the books in this no, drawer. It's, uh, Ray is actually looking for, uh, not Ray, but Finn is looking for a blanket to give Rose. Okay, there you go. Yeah, but you see the drawer open, right? And like all these books are just lined up there, and I'm like, okay, could those be those books? And I thought about it, but it just slipped my mind completely. But when you put those two dots together, and Yoda's just like, hey, <laughs> like, like it's amazing. It's like it, it's really what gives Luke that spark that he needed, that kick in the ass that he needed. Yeah, that's that's like, that's the like change he in wanted Luke. to run back. 
he wanted to run back in that tree and be like, like, Master Yoda, what are you doing? You know, like, and then you see, we all start alluding to, oh my God, like this, the, the knowledge is within Ray. Like she's ancient. She's, she's more, she's mystic from the force from millions of uh, generations ago. Reincarnated. And the, the, the incarnated, that's it, all this stuff. But no, she just has the books. <laughs> but all that, and, other, like, but that's the beauty is that all that other stuff could still be true. That's true too. It could again. It could really all this stuff could still play into actually Ryan Johnson's new trilogy, and he could use Daisy Ridley again. Yeah, I mean that's, let's let's not tangent down there yet. Holy smokes, um, yeah, it, I think that's that was the kick in the ass that got Luke caring again. I mean, if he really wanted the Jedi to end, then just let the books burn. Like what? He, that was a really quick about face with Luke, from wanting to burn it all down himself, to saying, "Yoda, what are you doing? You, the the, the sacred Jedi texts. Yeah, you're cover, you're calling my bluff. What the hell? Exactly. So I, I think it, Yoda pulled that out of Luke that Luke still does care, and got him that got him back in the fold because it's it's after that scene the next day, where Luke heads to his meditation rock, kind of touches the Force again for the first time, and uh, from that point on, you know. The rest is history. Um, let, let's talk about Kylo for a second here. And Adam Driver's performance. Just, this guy is just ridiculously good. Ridiculously good at acting this role. Yep, he's perfect for it, man. It's the face quivers or something like that. Like He's just got these uh, muscle twitches or something that conveys such emotion, his conflict. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, that, 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 I think that's the big deal. Like they needed somebody who was able to really convey inner turmoil, and it's it's almost impossible to imagine anybody else doing this role. But we get there's a moment in this where ah, you you want to root for Kylo for a second. They keep having these Ray and, and Kylo keep having these little back and forths through the Force, and you through it all you kind of want to start rooting for Kylo despite what he did to Han there's something about the character where you're just like you you feel something for him there's there's empathy there but th- I think that all goes up in smoke soon enough uh, Car- uh Carlos how do you feel about Kylo uh do you, do you still feel he's just your straight up bad guy or do you th- is it more complicated for you um I'm not going to say it's more complicated because there was always that in the back of my mind, a possibility of Kylo Ren uh, being redeemed. Uh, That's gone now. I don't. um, He makes it quite clear, especially at the end. Yeah, he makes his decision. Yeah, Yeah, he. Like he, he, takes his, he takes his best shot, right? He tries to he tries to bring Ray over to his side, and she tries to bring him over to her side. There's obviously they're trying to work to some sort of arrangement, but when Kylo doesn't get his way, he he's by the end he's he's an unhinged madman. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And when when he sees the Falcon on crate and and sends all those those uh, Tie Fighters uh, to to destroy the um... yeah shoot it shoot that. <laughs> hunk of junk out of the sky yeah he's losing it and then when when luke appears he's like fire everything fire everything at luke and uh more more like he's like 
He's, he's, I he's unhinged. About him. It was one of, one of my favorite moments. Like he, yeah, completely unhinged. And um, a side note: uh, Finn's uh, Finn's reaction to <laughs> they hate that shit. Like, uh, <laughs> like great. It was great. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I I love Kylo Ren as a character. I love to hate him. Uh, I I expect for him to do things that make me want to hate him, and I love that about it. You understand what you, I mean? You know, oh, for sure. Like, that's that's what was great about this character as well. Like, I had said this so many times. Like, just again, because of the trailers, the misleads. Beautiful, beautiful misleads. Like, these expe- uh, expectations. Like, again, it's the headcanon, Kyle said. Like, people set these things up, and then they're kind of hurt by it, these things not coming true. Like, and Ryan Johnson set us up for that as well. Like, the scene where Kylo is taking Ray to Snoke. Like, it's a Jedi, the elevator scene, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, the framing is that. So it's like you're thinking redemption. Like, you're, it's they're, they're really pointing you in that direction that it's the redemption thing. But Kylo, he's just, he's too far gone and he just, he wants that power. Now he's the supreme leader. Like, that's what he's always been aching and yearning for and he's got it. And But we all believed I don't think we all believe, but I think there was a really good chance in the movie was really pointing in that direction too at first that Kylo's the light's still in him. He can come back. Ray's seen his future. He can still come back. Yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, Ray alluded to that. She saw his future super clear and it wasn't, it's not what we thought it was. It's not full of darkness, but it, it, it's clearly not what, what Kylo wants, right? He wants to follow this path. And he tries to get Ray to follow it with him. But, I mean, this is that scene in, in Snoke's throne room where you're thinking, is this where Ben turns? And, again, another brilliant bit of filmmaking, I think, from Ryan Johnson is you have Snoke. We haven't spoken about Snoke at all. We finally we get plenty of him in this movie. Um, Snoke is, is reading... Kylo's thought, I mean, this is his specialty, getting in people's heads and seeing their thoughts. And Kylo is turning the saber to, you know, to, in, almost in a position to kill Rey. But he's simultaneously turning the saber on the throne, pointing it towards Snoke. So, yeah. He's kind of trying to fool him there, manipulate him. Snoke Mani- doesn't see manipulate it coming. the manipulator. He doesn't see it yeah. coming at all. And then, of course, the big moment where he turns it on, and you're like, oh, Kylo Ren's back, baby. He's turned to the light. You know, Snoke falls in half, and it's it's a kind of shocking moment. Like, he, oh, it's huge, huge. That's a, it's a little qualm from the movie for me. The fact that again, he, it's so Snoke has been so character serving. Like, I I wanted a little more backstory, a little more. Uh, he's so goddamn powerful with the Force, man. Like, whatever he was doing. Like the the misleads again with the ring and the kyber crystals and he's really in nothing. Like he was just character serving toward Kylo. And, yeah, and like that, that, f- we've spent the last two years freaking about freaking out over Snoke. Who is he? Is he is he Plagueis? Is he this or that? Is he Darth Jar Jar? What is Snoke? And no, it turns out it but granted, doesn't matter. Yeah, granted again, like the, the the Emperor the Emperor as well in Empire we knew nothing by the end of it. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back. We absolutely knew nothing about the em- Emperor. Yeah, it, but at least we kind of got something afterward. Like Snoke 
to me is still super interesting. The ancientness behind him. I think a lot of fans, again, with their headcanon were thinking, oh, what's, what's Snoke really got to do with all this? Like, we, we thought he was going to be like this uh, ancient, wise guy with this, uh, the dark meets the light, and this is what I'm looking for. It's the answer to this. And, and it's meaningless. It's, it's, when, you know, when the credits started rolling... And we all started talking to one another at the, at the theater on, on our first viewing. And James said, your Snoke theory is irrelevant. That was the first thing out of his mouth. Your, your, your Snoke theory is irrelevant. And it, it's, it is. It's it's irrelevant. We don't need should to make, know uh, any. James should make t-shirts, <laughs> stickers, or is lollipops. It? Or is it? I, I honestly ho- I hope we get more in expanded literature because the fact that he was so old. or That's what intrigued me. Like, how old is this guy? What's his actual end game? Why was he trying to get to Rave by using Kylo and this and that? You know, like what was that all about? But I, again, it's it just doesn't matter more anymore. To... Look, if Kylo exactly. was but fooled, but it, it does matter to me, Kyle. <laughs> if Kylo was fooled into thinking that Luke Skywalker was in front of him on crate, who's to say that Snoke is actually in that throne room? I, I'm, I'm not, honestly, guys, I'm not convinced. Oh. I am not convinced that he's in that throne room. I, I, there's. Car- Carlos getting all matrixy on us. Well, no, I mean, they, 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 they showed it to us in this film with another character. It's not, no, it's, right. it's not out of the realm of possibility. They did it. For sure. Oh, yeah, they did it. So. But it was perfect. Oh, no, it was, <laughs> look, 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 that's probably my, I mean, if I could just watch one scene. Over and over, it's it's that throne room scene. That that throne room scene, like I just I love it. Uh, Ray and, and Kylo back to back, and um, I, I just thought it was great. Honestly, I just uh, I I really really love that scene. But I'm just not conv- I'm really not convinced. It was too easy. If 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 Snoke is in that throne room, how do you not hear the the the, the lightsaber turning a little bit? Uh, he was so preoccupied, no, probably reading one. No, no, no! It's too easy. It's it's just. Well, there's a lot of things in this film that were a little too easy. You know what I mean? Like you, like it's one of those things. Like it's either you accept it and go with the flow, or like that's not a big pin. Like I've nitpicked at the film. You guys have gotten on my case, but that's one thing that's not a big deal for me. Yeah, but I'm not like nitpicking. To. I'm not nitpicking it. All I'm saying is that I believe that there's something greater to that. I'm not saying that, oh, that was crappy. What I'm saying is it's not a nitpick at all. All I'm saying is that we're, we're, we're ready to turn the page on this character when in reality I'm not too sure that there's not more uh, about this character. And, and, and Corey, I'm going to come back to something you said a, a couple of minutes ago about the Emperor. What did we learn about the Emperor after Empire? Listen, what did we learn about the Emperor after Jedi? Nothing. Then we learn more about the Emperor in A New Hope. In the prequels, for sure. Well, the prequels, for sure, because it's a backstory. But in in A New Hope, when Tarkin comes in and and says that the Emperor has dissolved the Senate, we we learn (laughs) you know more about the Emperor in that scene than you do in the other two movies. Besides the fact that he dies, that's all you know. So, I I don't know. Like, do we have to know more about Snoke? No. Is there a door? I think the door is ajar. I, the, the door is not is not locked. It's it's not closed. I, I believe, like I said, JJ has um, has. Well, to me, it's, it's just you know it's the curiosity with me, the creativeness, the the fact that he was so old, 
and that he seems to have been around for so long. It's like, okay, well, this guy's been playing the long game. What was the point to all that? Like, what was he trying to accomplish with this light in the dark and the balance and whatever he saw? Well, look, like, if, I, if, I'm curious of those things. If you look at uh, what I wrote on uh, on Skype under my uh, my avatar, I wrote the first Jedi. And Luke is at the first Jedi temple. And if you look at the character in, in the middle of the light and the dark of that, that Jedi character in that mosaic where the water was dancing, you referred to it earlier, Kyle, when Luke finally uses the force and we see those ripples in the water. Yep. If you look at that character, it looks like Snoke. There's even really there, yeah. there, that flew over my there's head. There's even there's even like a, a line going through the character's head to separate the light and the dark that looks exactly like the scar that's on Snoke's forehead. It's I'm telling you there's there's way more to this than than what we're seeing right now. That's why I hope Brian's new trilogy comes back to all this. Yeah, but it, and somehow it's different but ties it all together. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna have anything to do with any characters we've ever seen. Uh, it's gonna be completely. Off, off the charts, I think. Or maybe planets like Acto, because that's another character. If you consider planets characters, like Acto itself, like yeah, it was cool to be there and get those explanations, whatnot. But I, I really wanted a little more from uh, the Jedi origins. Like I would have liked to, to have opened a book and at least read one page and been like, "Holy cow, that's crazy! This is different than what we really thought." Like anything about that, I was really like super eager for and we really didn't get any of that nope. anyways all, all i'm saying is that not it's not uh I, i'm not saying that you know it's not what we saw I, i'm just i'm not ready to to say that your snow theory sucks or your snow theory is irrelevant because i i believe that there there's a there's a chance and i could be completely wrong and if i am hey I don't care. It's still another Star Wars movie where I get to watch it and enjoy it. So I, I, I don't have any vested interest in being right or wrong. I just, I, I'm not so quick to, to you know, throw down, uh, throw down the gauntlet on uh, on Snoke is irrelevant. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's, that's another take I hadn't considered. Cause in, in my head, he's a hundred percent dead, and it just this is just serving the Kylo character. But yeah, maybe maybe he's. He was jerking our chains the same way Luke eventually did. Um, but I think, I, th- I think the de- the decision to call to kill Snoke now is a really gutsy one and sets up Episode Nine to be completely unpredictable. Mm-hmm. I th- you know, to have Snoke around in Nine, I love it. And you know, if if you had Snoke and Ren still around in Nine, and then you know, with the upstart underling, you get the Return of the Jedi scenario, and you let. You you open the door for JJ to do another air quotes rehash, and now he doesn't have that to rely on. That's gone. Yeah, but what if it's a what if it's a power struggle now, uh, where where there was no real power struggle between Vader and Palpatine until he actually picks him up and throws him down that shaft. Like, yeah, he was subservient. Like Kylo's aiming a little higher. Like I could just bypass this. Like right now and just raise right to the top. Like here's my opportunity. He took it, which is super. I don't know, man. Like, see, I never see. I never like saw Kyle this said, as unhinged Kylo. I never saw Kylo as somebody who wanted to be supreme leader. Like, I I saw him as somebody who just wanted to slay his own personal demons. And now, now I see. I see him. He was subs like the mask, all that stuff. Like, he just wanted to please Snoke. But now, 
it seems like all he wants to do is like wipe out like just control and like destruction almost well, he just, you he know just wants like revenge. unhinged he just wants to kill the people that he he feels have slighted him like it's 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 that's why I say he's he's become a madman like he's he's now now he has the power but I always felt before that he just you know he he was rejected by maybe he, he probably feels rejected by his parents uh, he felt like his uncle was going to murder him. And then he picks up with this other guy named Snoke who constantly puts him down and makes him feel like an idiot. And then he finds this other person, Ray, who he finally feels some kind of kinship with. And then, like, she rejects him too. Like, it's pretty pathetic. So, I mean, this guy just now just doesn't care. He just wants to lash out. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I, I always maintained that there was no way back for Kylo, that redemption was not in the cards for him. And then it seemed like for a bit in The Last Jedi that we maybe maybe that would happen. But I'm... I, I, I Again, I don't see a way back for this guy now. Yeah, it's interesting. Again, like, I've been saying this for all the arcs we've been talking about, letting go of the past. Kylo's kind of, like, let go of his past in Snoke and is moving forward. Like, uh, Luke has done the exact same thing. He's kind of, by the end of it all, he let go of everything and did what he had to do and move forward. And Ray as well, you know, like him telling Ray who she was, that junker left by a bunch of drunks, like just for a bit of extra booze money. Like, she she faced her, her stuff and moved forward, you know well, what I mean? Like, yeah, that's that's always the thing with bad guys, right? They, they can never seem to move on from something. It's it's That's perfect Darth Maul. The guy just can't learn, can't seem to get past all these old... But he is letting go of something in this movie. Like, you see it. Like, the, the relationship between himself and Hux and Snoke... It's like an older brother, younger brother, sibling-ish relationship vying for the, the love of daddy. And they're both playing off that. And Snoke is playing both of them off that. So for him to kind of kill Snoke, like like the way Snoke treats him in this, it's like you see him. He almost wants to cry at a point in this movie. Like Snoke's like, you're disgusting or whatever. You I hate, like you're stupid, this and that. And he's just berating him. And he, Kylo's just like, meh, I don't want to do this anymore. This game's not fun anymore. Like, he's looking for his out, you know? Well, Corey, for a guy who loves the Jedi so much, you're, I think you're confused with uh, with what Kylo's actually doing. You see, Kylo's not letting go of the past. He's not. What he's doing is he's letting the past define him. Yeah, he t- he's talking okay, a big yeah. game, right? He's saying, oh, you gotta, you gotta kill the past. And he's literally killing his past. He kills his dad. He's thinking about it, killing his mom. He wants his uncle dead. But well, he just killed Snoke too. Yeah, but it's he's he's defined by those murders. He he's he, he's not letting go. Like Luke let go. Luke. Well, I, see, I kind of I do I disagree with you. I see him letting go in this, and by killing his master, he's been set himself free. No, he becomes he's let a slave. himself loose by killing his master. Oh, he's unhinged he now. He becomes a slave to 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 his actions. He becomes a slave to to what he did. As opposed to actually letting go, there's a big difference there. I think it's more of a philosophical difference. Well, but like, yeah, I, I get you there, but like his motivations are are for that reason. I would think, like, 
But then, like what you're saying, but that's why he's tormented. That's why he's tormented. That's why he's a great villainous character because he's he's making these decisions to try to let go. But in reality, what he's doing is he's killing the uh, the the physical body of those people, but he's taking on their weight and the, uh, as his own chains, and he's 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 making himself more of a of a villainous character as opposed to somebody who well, was, I, who's actually letting go. I see that more for the situation in the case with Han and killing his father that weighed down on him. But the one with Snoke, I see it more as like, like fuck this guy. Like, sorry, Kyle, <laughs> but time code. Just the, the the way the way that Snoke treated him again in this film and berated him like it, like you could see like how Kylo was like a whimpering puppy against him and the again the 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 way that he that Snoke plays Hux and Kylo against one another like he saw through all that at one point like I gotta kill this guy and like take control of my own destiny and wherever it leads to whatever like. Like, but he is bad. Don't get me wrong. Like, he chose the wrong side, and again, I thought I was very, very much so convinced that maybe not necessarily in this film, and it's still not too late again. But the fact that they, when they teamed up in this film, like Kyle said, like I thought I was like Kylo's back, back again. <laughs> I, I thought I thought for sure that was it, man. Yeah, I mean, like I, I like what Carlos said in that, in that. He, you know, Kylo's always talking about letting go of the past, and he's you know, kill it if you have to, and he does just that. But it never gives him the closure that he's looking the satisfaction, for. Satisfaction, yeah. It's not giving him that. It's you know, the, this, this, these violent acts are not. Well, Snoke's might. Snoke's different than killing your dad. Like Snoke puts him at the top of the the food chain right now. Yeah, he finds himself there, but he's using the first order for personal ends. You know, Snoke was at. I don't know what Snoke was after. Was it galactic domination? Maybe. But Snoke or Kylo is using it to snuff out the last vestiges of his personal past. Like it's it's that's true too. Like that's gonna be interesting moving forward. Where they're gonna want to take this? Like are they gonna want to take this and like seizing and controlling planets, or is it like Kylo's like you said vested interests? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's another conversation for another time. But we have we've barely spoken about Rey, and here we are, like two and a half hours in. <laughs> hardly spoken about Ray. I mean, this is this is the she's the character of this trilogy, and we haven't spoken about her. I I, I I'm not I'm not uh, making a very big leap here to say that I love this character. After after TFA, I was never so invested in a character as I was with her. And I I can't say the same, but after this film, I, I'm sold. With her performance, not her performance, but her character in this film, the fact that she's grown a bit too, like, like she's, oh, yeah, man. Um, for me, there's like there's no doubt about Ray. Like I have, I I figured at some point she was gonna flirt with the dark side in this, and I don't think she ever did. Like I don't think she even came close. Like she was talking to Snoke. That's not true. When she when she's with. She's tempted by Kylo's offer. No, she has. She hesitates. Nah. She does hesitate. No, she does. Watch it again. She's playing him because she wants to get that lightsaber back. She she knows she's in That's a posi- position of weakness. She handed off. I, that I lightsaber. do like to think that she at least considers it. It's not no, like she's at, like, right, right off, off the like, hop. She says no. Don't like don't do this, Ben. It's not right off the hop though. 
It pretty much is. Like, there's there's no... Like, to me, she didn't consider it for one hot minute. Or even one hot second. Like, she's just like, yeah, nope, I need my saber back, because this guy's still, still nuts. But about that scene, uh, where they're kind of wrestling over the saber, and it snaps in half. So here's a question. So this, this, the Skywalker saber is broken, snapped in half. And then when Kylo faces off against Luke, Luke has that saber. Why didn't Kylo, as, as, as obsessed with that saber as Kylo is, why didn't he put two and two together going, why, why do you have that saber? I just snapped it in half myself. Because his hatred is blinding him. I guess, I mean, yeah, I guess that's yeah, the only explanation. I mean, that's, that's to me, that's a, the equivalent of What's interesting reasons. is, what's more interesting to me is that he's actually using that sight, uh, saber and not his green saber. Like, that's the saber Kylo knows. That's the saber that was last. There's got to be something to that choice. And it, I think, I, yeah, yeah, I think it, it is supposed to be an indicator to us that Kylo is so out to lunch. He's, he's so consumed by his rage that he can't see all these clues in front of him uh, as to what's going on. Like uh, Luke not leaving footprints. Yeah, that was so good, eh? That's so subtle but perfect. No, no footprints from Luke in, in the red dirt, in, in the, the salt, uh, the saber that Kylo doesn't even recognize. That he, <laughs> that's that's hilarious to me. Uh, the fact that Luke doesn't try to block any of his blows, he just completely dodges them. So there's no, he can't figure it out. He's just Carlos. I guess that's got to be the only reason. He's so consumed with his rage that he he cannot see what's going on right in front of him. And it's a tie-in. They, li- they, they do go lightsaber to lightsaber. No? no, and it's it's a beautiful tie-in to the question that James had after uh, at the end of Rogue One of why Vader didn't just go after the the security disc, right, the, or the, the 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 Death Star plans on on the disc, because he was so involved with the bloodthirst of of that battle and just mowing down the rebels that were in front of him. It's that's the darkness. You can't, you can't put um, the the master plan ahead um, or blood bloodlust in front in front of an evil character because their motivation isn't always the end justifies the means. They enjoy, like you said, the bloodlust. There, there's something about that fight that that rage that blinds them. Yep. That's, it that's makes why them they, feel powerful. Exactly. That's why they can't win. That's why Darth Maul gets that gets killed with three parries in, in on Tatooine. There, there's, there's, I, I think they they know what they're doing when they um, when uh, the light usually beats the dark. It's because of that. I'll be back in a sec, guys. Sorry. Yeah, it's because of that. It's because of that of that. Uh, the the blinding nature that rage or jealousy or hate, you know, uh, it just it, it it covers your eyes in the most crucial of moments. Yep, ah, I like that. Um, I mean, so so for, for Ray, I mean, this kid is barreling full on towards, uh, I guess Jedi knighthood. I mean, she she kept the text. She's you know. 
she put she smuggled the ship or the the text onto the Falcon, which is a smuggler ship, which I think is kind of ironic. Um, is she, they're not page turners like Yoda said, but is she is she going to study these over over whatever time jump that we get from episodes eight to nine, if there is one? Are these books her new masters? Is Luke going to help continue to train her from from beyond? I I don't know what's what to think of Ray and where she's going next, but I think it's for me it's it's safe to assume that this kid is is going places. I would think so. I I I put a lot of credence into the fact that um, there's a reason why that blue lightsaber was destroyed. It's because she needs to get her own crystal to become a Jedi Master. That's uh, part of the trial of of, of getting her crystal and. And building her own lightsaber, and she probably has the instruction manual with her on the Falcon. So, um, and I accept, I, I expect a double-bladed lightsaber uh, for Ray. Oh boy! Now that she has to build her own, I think uh, something that resembles her staff. Wouldn't that and, be something? Yeah, it would be. It would be awesome. And um, but besides that, I don't know. What do I see? I don't see her uh, opening a school. Or an acad- a Jedi Academy. I see her being a bit more involved with um, with the business of the rebellion. Uh, that's uh, that's where I see it. I, I see after maybe probably a f- maybe four or five year time jump. Uh, you know, I, especially considering that the movie takes place probably weeks after the previous episode, and the time span of the film. Is probably a twelve-hour period. It's it's there's it's very quick. I mean, I, mean I, think, quick. I think a couple of days pass on Act Two. Oh no, on Act Two, but we don't know at what point she gets to Act Two, and the action starts with the um, uh, the evacuation of the base. No, no, that, right? yeah, so, there's, there's that. But during the Last Jedi itself, I think there's she spends at least a few days on Act Two. Oh no, definitely, definitely. But, but we yeah, don't I mean, know. this is a. I mean, yeah. from the beginning of this saga to where we are, it's a, it's it's a relatively short time. Very short, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this the Ray character is just mesmerizing to me. Um, I mean, she's going to be leaned on to fix a whole lot of problems and to reassert the Jedi in the in the galaxy at some point. Um. I, I don't know how she does that. I don't know how she does it with, without a lightsaber. I mean, I guess she'll figure out how to put one together. I, I now I I can't get that vision of a double sided sided bladed stuff. Jeez, I'm losing it, Carlos. <laughs> a a double bladed lightsaber. Yeah, I can't get that out of my head. That that would be really cool. But we're, I I don't even know what to think of. I'm so curious to know. I think the biggest key is to know where episode nine goes. Is it going to be, are we going to follow on the heels of episode eight or are we just going to plow ahead several years down the line and see where everybody stands years from now? Yeah, I think uh, like the rebellion obviously at this point needs to go underground, like hiding no, no, uh, oh, we have a voice in the New Republic or or anything like that. Like, they really need to go deep underground and, and rebuild the ranks. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of 
political jostling to try to get some systems to follow them. And I mean, I could be completely wrong. It could we could you know come back a month from now, and and you know the the saga would continue. But I I, I really doubt it. I mean, they really have to go. There has to be um something that springs up in the absence of the resistance to actually squash the first order at this point it's not there so uh, the only thing that makes sense to me is a time jump yeah you think they have to kind of regroup and rebuild themselves a little bit that will be interesting to see uh what I loved about Ray, I think specifically in this, and I keep coming back to Ray. I feel like we haven't done her justice, but again, like the theme of hope in this is is runs right through the movie. We see Poe as a very hopeful character. He's always thinking that yes, there's a way. Yes, there's a way we can do this. Uh, Rose, I guess, also carries that torch, but Ray is not like not giving up on Luke, not giving up on the Jedi, not giving up on on Ben. She just will not quit. And I, I wonder what changes between 8 and 9. But I can't, I mean, I can't wait to at least get some kind of synopsis about episode 9. Oh, I know. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a long two years, Kyle. <laughs> We're going to have <laughs> oh, a lot sure to talk is. about. <laughs> a lot to talk about, but uh, yeah. It's when you think about it, it's like, oh, we just got past eight, and I'm ready for nine. Like, I, I want more of this story, and that's that's a credit also to to Ryan uh, Johnson. Just you know, I think after Attack of the Clones, I was I was ready for a three year break. Like, I, I didn't need to see um, episode three because uh, to me that was going to be the last one. So I was I was ready. You know, to you know, give it a bit of time before we got the the final episode. Now we're back to that point where we're gonna get a final episode of of this saga, and I, I want it right now. I, I I'm like I'm dying for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I'm dying to see the Last Jedi again. Um, oh yeah, for sure. I I gotta see this movie again. Um, one last thing before we start to wrap things up. Imagine being Ryan Johnson and coming to the conclusion that you're going to kill Luke Skywalker. And we'll talk about his death scene. We got it. We got at least touch on that. But you got to fight. You got to do it in a way that you don't want to be the guy. I mean, Walking Dead fans say if, if, if Daryl dies, we riot. I think Star Wars fans probably have the same thing going for Luke. Like there was, I think the meme out there saying, I swear to God, if I see Luke Skywalker die, whatever, whatever. Like nobody wanted to see Luke die, but somebody's going to have to bear that responsibility to kill off the character. And I think the way he did it, and the way that the message was given to us, you know, Ray talking with Leia saying, "I I, I felt Luke go like it went. He went peacefully with purpose, no pain." And so when that happened, when we see that beautiful scene with Luke staring out at the sun, and he's just on the rock, and then he twin suns, he just disappears. It's like, but twin sons? No, come on. I think I think there was just one. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. When he, I thought when he goes off, there's twin sons. I thought that was like the most beautiful part of the movie. No. Yeah, there were there were two. Uh, were there two? 
Yeah, man. Like yeah. It, it was a touchback to Tatooine. Like that was the most like beautiful loophole tie-in that. Oh my god! Like when I saw it, I was like twin sons. I was like, Luke's gonna, he's dying. Like it took my heart away, man. When I saw that, I, I was like, oh my. And then that took a lot out of him. Poor Luke. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, twin sons. Like, oh my god! Like Luke, Luke's, Luke's gone. Like I couldn't believe it, man. Total. That could be the spoiler moment too, you know. Yeah, but again, it's like from Ryan Johnson's perspective, you're better off doing it that way. You said it so often, though, Kyle. You can't kill Luke in this one. Come on. Well, because you know we didn't think of it going down this way. To think of it where um, somebody's going to drive a lightsaber through his chest, or you know, decapitate him. That would have, I think, made a lot of fans angry. And I think the way they they executed it here worked so well because he went and I was just like, that was really nice. Yeah, I heard, I don't know if you caught this, Kyle, or Carlos. Actually, you were closer to me, Carlos. But uh, when that scene came and he was up on that rock and just going to, like, lie down, I was like, oh, he needs a little rest. Oh, my God. He doesn't. Oh, my God. I was on the edge of my seat, but the girl, be- I heard someone behind me full of weep. It's like, <laughs> I was like, yes, yes. It's the cinematic experience. I want it. Yeah, no, it was, it was no doubt a, a wonderful scene. I mean, Ryan Johnson did a tremendous job, not, not just writing it that way, but, uh, you know, executing it it is it, it just worked so well and i can't we believe can you didn't notice the twin sons after two viewings man like doesn't that like really like blow your mind that much more i want well i definitely want to see it again but whether whether it's one or two i mean it doesn't make a big difference to me he's it's he's still staring out at the sunset it's it's the way it's sort of the way we meet him and it's the way we see him go out so, but, I mean, uh, the number of suns doesn't really mean a lot to me at that point. Come on, it touches right back to the binary sunset, man. Like, right back it's, to where it all began. Like, his looking the out. The number of onto suns the... really has no bearing for me. It's it's the, it's, it's the wow. tone set by the actual act of staring out at the sun. I think it's just absolutely, absolutely multiplied by the fact that there's two suns. And there's not, I think, Acto is... Uh, like, there's one sun on Acto, so when you see two, it's like he's hallucinating. Yeah, <laughs> and that's just absolutely amazing. All right, let's let's uh, wrap this up here, guys. Some final thoughts. I completely love this movie. I left the fe- the theater my first attempt, uh, feeling challenged, but better about this movie than I did after both uh, TFA and Rogue One. I think there's a density and a weight to this movie that far surpasses both. Um, I, there's some weird personal touches that I don't love. You know, specifically that scene during Ray's training with the uh, you know those those little um, little plants shooting up from the ground. Like that's a weird thing in Star Wars. I didn't like that. Really, eh? That's kind of one of the things that I I was on the fence about a bit, but I kind of like. I like the fact that they were explaining the force in a, a grander scale. Yeah, I wasn't terribly enthused with with the way that kind of broke 
with the way like, Star Wars movies are, are filmed. Like the life and the, the death, kind of, like with seeing the skeletons underground. Yeah. Yeah, that was sort of like almost documentary commercial style. I didn't. I wasn't crazy about that. Uh, some like there's some things I I missed out on. Uh, we missed a true lightsaber duel. I'm still waiting on a big epic full scale space battle. Like you said, Corey, we didn't get any of that ancient lore that we were totally 100 percent convinced was coming, and and would serve as the backstory to Ryan's next trilogy. But I I don't feel like we got shortchanged in any way. You know what I mean? Like. I still got a full, full Star Wars experience and then some. Like, this is one of the most gratifying movie experiences I, I can think of. <clears throat> yeah, I, um, I couldn't agree with you more, man. Like, just the fact that our expectation expectation levels were here and he just took us there. And, like, again, it's like, I w- last week I was, like, talking out of my ass, like, he could throw anything at us. I'm ready for this. And I was not ready for this like when i left that theater again i was just like a humble 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 person man like uh carlos any final thoughts yeah um that second viewing for me solidified this um this movie uh i didn't like uh anything more uh the things that bothered me didn't bother me more um I, I fell in love with with uh, with Ray uh, as a character, and uh, I liked where Kylo went. Um, I love the open ended nature of uh, you know Episode Nine could be titled The New Hope. It could be like not resembling the movie, but just the fact that you know that we're back. We were almost knocked out completely but we're on one knee and we're getting back up um i love that i love this movie uh i mean i'm i'm (laughs) i don't want to sound hyperbolic here but i mean this is probably my favorite star wars movie and like uh you know it's it's hard i i I think it's going to change with time i'm going to be seeing it at least two more times in, in the theater hopefully um, but I don't, I mean, I don't see it, uh, not being in my top three ever, like, unless the next one comes out and it's better than this, um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see about that in, in two years. But for now, I just, I love this. I love this, uh, this whole thing. And I love the, the way that everybody in the commonwealth uh, be it on uh, the talk star wars vip group or uh, on the tumbling saber group um a lot of respectful uh dialogue and and debate and uh i mean hats off to everybody uh you know yeah keep it real man keep it civil yeah it was it was really nice and uh you know the fact that uh, there were little to no spoilers at all uh, you know, with some of the guys having watched the movie before us, um, yeah, I, I just I think all in all, what a great week, man! Like, I just, yep, I'm just ha- I'm happy to be here. It was it was a yeah, it was it was a wonderful experience, top to bottom, and yeah. so I want I want to put in some better. I want to put in a few qualms here. I told you um, the Poe and Hux thing at the beginning. It still worked for me. I'm not like getting down on it hard, but it was a little drawn out. 
the BB-8 machine gun was a little tough for me. Like, I, I would have got, like, maybe, again, like, a handful of quarters, but, like, the amount of quarters he disposed, I was like, okay, is this ending anytime soon? <laughs> uh, the Haldo character, uh, I really liked what they did, but they just could have written it more, a little more in the sense that, like, because by the end of this, I was like, man, what a self, like, like, she's just served this purpose, and, like, it's really evident that kind of exposes it a little as a film. Uh, Kyle Beck, uh, ha- uh, hearkened on this a bit, the the lore, the ancient lore of Snoke. What does Snoke know that's bringing this whole thing together and the the ancient lore on Acto? Why go to the first Jedi temple to hide? And why is Luke saying... I'm in the hardest place to find in the galaxy. Like, why exactly is is that if it's in the middle of the populated galaxy? Like, there's got to be something more to that. And I was hoping to to learn a little more of that. But, and the Carrie Poppins, I guess. I'm kind of on the fence. I want her to survive. It's just, again, like you would said, Kyle, the, the visual, the imagery behind that. There was something about it that made it a little weird. Um, but the structure, theme, and story, it just he really tied it together Ryan Johnson like everything the the expectations we've been pushed to the boundaries and not only that like he really did make me love the characters so much more like especially the new characters that we're trying to to move forward with Poe Ray and Finn uh, in particular like I, I I love them so much more than I did in the TFA like they were introduced there and this story really pushed their characters forward the main characters that we know and loved and grew up with took a bit of a back seat but were written so well as well and again the our expectations were just i'm not gonna say that for everyone but it just didn't go the way we thought like kyle had said and it was an amazing experience because of that yeah it was, it was the sh- for me it was the, it was the shake-up star wars needed no doubt uh, all right. I think that kind of brings us to the end at long last. Holy smokes. And what about favorite moments? Yeah, we're going to have to. <laughs> Dude, look well, at the I clock. Well, I think we, we, we kind of did that. We kind of did that throughout, like, during, uh, while we were talking about certain, you know, arcs and stuff. We, we kind of threw in our favorite moments. and Well, not enough love. Let's just pay a little love to this scene because I don't remember this. But uh, R2 showing Luke, Leia, hologram. Yeah, the low blow. Wow, oh, what a beautiful God. scene. Yep. The wink to 3PO. Uh, God, the Yoda moment. Just Luke and Leia again, the kiss. I changed my hair. She wrote that scene, man. Or not wrote the scene, but wrote helped write the dialogue to that scene. Yeah, no, that's, that's all great stuff. I mean, the movie's just loaded with, with great moments. The Force like that. Cave. One one last thing, I, I want to know if this is like a bit of a, a drunken reach, <laughs> but last night, you know, I was kind of just, I haven't stopped thinking about this film, you know, and it's been hard to really sit down and, and try and like this whirlwind that's surrounding me that is the, the Last Jedi, I've been, like to actually like sit down and try and concentrate and reel it all in, uh, the force, the dark side, the cave that sucks her in, right? She comes... And I've said this through the theme in this movie to me is the spark of the rebellion and the letting go of the past and moving forward, you know. And that that cave 
is very reminiscent to me of Empire in the sense that, you know, Luke walks into the tree and sees himself in Vader because he brings with what he brings with him. Whereas Ray, she's seen this infinity mirror, but correct me if I'm wrong. Again, I only saw it once, uh, but everything's coming back to front to forward. You know what I mean? Like it starts from the back leads to the present and goes forward. So it's again, kind of, uh, metaphorically or symbolically uh, showing that, you know, the past doesn't necessarily dictate your future. Like, that's what she brought to her with the cave. Like, the cave, I was expecting some kind of crazy beast or some kind of Vader or Kylo Ren to kind of pop up or her morph into something else and things get crazy and dark and scary. And But really, it was what she brought with her and that's what it told her. It's like, the Force is this all connected thing dark light whatever it is it all it's all transparent really cool i i saw that whole thing is all those different copies of, of ray is her bringing her her baggage of being stranded all like each ray represented like one day of her strandedness that's, that's cool my own, my own personal take but again, it's fr- again, it's back to front. So all those days leading up to this day, and then moving forward, it's like letting go of the past. Yeah, she does. Well, yeah, she does it in a much healthier way than Kylo deals with his past. Okay, there we go. I think this is probably just going to be like the first of a couple of shows that we have unpacking the Last Jedi. I know we need to get some of the other crews <laughs> on. So we'll try and do that again later this week. But, um, yeah, that's it for now. And I know we, we had a, the powerful friends send in a bunch of voice clips. Uh, but if all goes to plan, then there should be another podcast in your podcast feed right now, um, which is solely input from the powerful friends. So that is a really cool thing. And uh, you should also be checking that out. Uh, and also this week, we've got our second annual Sithmas special which is going to drop exclusively to the powerful friends. And this thing is going to be a blast. I hope you guys take the time to listen to this when it hits your, yeah, your you got you, man. Big, big things planned. Oh, it's going to be fun. Uh, all right. Well, Carl, Corey and Carlos, where can we find you guys on Twitter? You can find me at uh, chop rules with a Z. <laughs> mm, like, let, let's do this double time. You can find me at chop rules with a Z or, uh, at the Habs Breakdown or C Candido Music, I believe. Yep. Beautiful. And I'm at Tumbling Saber on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And uh, come come check us out. Come say hi and talk some Star Wars. And uh, if you want more talk on The Last Jedi, well, what you need to do is go to Apple Podcasts and look up Star Wars Commonwealth. And like I, I like to say, I don't know many things in this world, but I do know that our friends at the Star Wars Commonwealth are going to just crush The Last Jedi coverage this week. And so you owe it to yourself as a Star Wars fan to go check out what they're up to because they're no doubt going to blow your doors off. Uh, and so I, I, know- I just, Before we close out here, Kyle, I just want to say also that the lead-up to everything that has been The Last Jedi over the past couple of years, uh, I love you guys. I had such a fun night on Thursday. and Man, I just... It's been special, man, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I wish I could have been there more, but uh, 
as it was, it was a great experience. Ditto. Yeah, so thanks to everybody who who made that a great, great night. And thanks to all our friends out there, everybody listening, who makes every day on Twitter and through email and all that stuff, just passing these years between films with the speculation and theories. It's been an absolute blast. But that is all for today. This has been an ultra-long, ultra-rambly episode of the podcast. And I know you guys are you're reeling as much as we are. And hopefully we, we're able to articulate some thoughts. But we'll be back to unpack a bit more later this week. So until then, have yourselves a good week. It's the last one before the holidays. So enjoy it, and we'll be back soon. And don't forget to catch us on Patreon. Watching you walking away from me Were you watching me?